Well, hello there. It is. Oh, look at that. Down in the corner, it says I'm RSB. I am not RSB. I am Super D. And uh, Robert will be joining us later in um, an hour or two. We pre-recorded, actually, with uh, Jonathan Emord today. Schedules are all nutso today. Um, so for those of you who aren't used to having uh, Jonathan Emord, being able to see him, um, today you get a special treat. You got Jonathan Emord today for hour one. So it'll be uh, Emord's Sacred Fire of Liberty in hour one on a Wednesday. Why not? We can do whatever we want to, right? So uh, first hour with Jonathan, going to be talking about Tim Kaine in Virginia. Uh, apparently, he's a big fan of uh, surveillance of private health information. Be talking about that, uh, talking about how to counter woke school indoctrination. Uh, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, if you've been watching the news at all, the Trump indictments has been all over the news, and it's a big talk. So probably cover some of that. Um, and then in hour two, experts, how much do they know? And should you assume that they know everything? We'll talk about that. Heart attack hospitalizations at a record level since the pandemic. YouTube. YouTube has not censored enough. You know, we got banned on YouTube. It's been, I, I don't know, two, three years now. Um, and apparently YouTube uh, feels like they just have not censored people enough. So they've doubled down on going after medical inf uh, misinformation. So we'll find out what YouTube is up to. Uh, heart burn drugs uh, linked to dementia. We've got a question of the day on magnesium. And might even, if we've got time, get into, we had a uh, message come in via email wanting to talk about urine therapy. I don't know. It, it just it seems to, to, to creep up on us from time to time. And so we may address that and, and uh, how homeopathy might be involved in that. So. In any case, that's what's going on today. Uh, so uh, fasten your seatbelts. Here comes hour one. Jonathan E. Mord on a Wednesday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we got a very special edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show today, and y'all say, well, it's always special. Well, thank you. I know it is. It's very special. But why is it extra special today? Because Jonathan Emord is joining us a day early due to his campaign schedule. He's got events all of the time, and we've got to get him on no matter what, and that's my plan anyway, and he's game for that. Running for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine. It's Jonathan E. Moore, Sacred Fire of Liberty, Wednesday. Robert, it's great to be here. Day early. Good, good to see you a day early. Uh, and you're, you're looking good. Do you, have you been out in the sun? I see a little bit of tinge of pigment. Yeah, I've been door knocking, Robert. I was thinking that you're out and about and meeting the folks all over Virginia. And I, I'm always up for stories to share if you got any from doing that. But I, I got to mention you uh, from the Red Pill Expo stage with G. Edward Griffin. We had a wonderful weekend of, uh, you know, real intellectual integrity. Uh, the folks that speak there very much dig into the history books and, and bring things out that sometimes are uncomfortable. But we're not averse to talking about these things so that we can break the cycle of, I don't know how we got here. I'm a victim of what's happening today. I don't like that. I want to understand why we got here, how we got here, so that we can correct course, and that's something you do all so well. That's right. The authoritarians tells the story, Robert. 
That's how we got here. Mm -hmm. The painful journey from the start of the progressive era forward. And yes. we, are, we are reaping the bitter harvest of expansive government where people inside the government believe in one thing, power and control over every aspect of your life. And that's what we're facing. And in a, a real movement on the part of government to take over everything that we have, your, including your life. Yeah. Oh, everything with digital currencies, et cetera. And the surveillance state is growing. And Tim Kaine, he's the, the current senator there in Virginia. You want to unseat. He is all for this surveillance. There's an article here by you in the town hall. It says Kaine supports increased government surveillance of private health information. You know, this is a concern. Anytime they digitize your identity, it's there, it's so easy to share. And the, the government always says, we we promise we won't share it with anybody. You find out they did and they sold it and everybody has access to it, whether it be, uh, you know, FBI, which has become highly politicized again. It's like J. Edgar Hoover, Hoover is back and they're using the FBI to persecute or prosecute people they don't like. Uh, so the risk is is so obvious. The criminality is so obvious. How are the people of Virginia faring and are they recognizing it? They are. They're up in arms over this. Everywhere I go and talk about what he's doing, people are very upset. So, for example, this thing really is an outrage, Robert. When you take a close look at it, this bill will integrate federal, state, and local officials in surveillance of private health information and will also enable the government to establish a uniform standard of care for use in medical emergencies to be communicated down the line from feds to states to localities and then to a medical authority. So what you have is the very setup that the World Health Organization wants internationally, Kane's bill will set up in the United States now. And so it'll just create the, the system through which the World Health Organization then directs everything and it'll all be in place. So once again, he has voted in favor of the deep state and against the rights of the American people. He's uh, really becoming uncanny, and in that regard, he always does it. He does it over and over and over again. We just had this incident with the Latin Mass in Catholic Church in Richmond, Virginia, where unbelievably the, the FBI had put out a memo, internal memo, that calls for surveillance of parishioners in the Latin Mass in Richmond, Virginia. Now, they asked Tim Kaine about that, and I'm sure they expected him to say, oh my goodness, that's a gross violation of the First Amendment freedom of religion, of right, the rights of each of those parishioners. I'm a Catholic and I'm appalled. He didn't say that at all. He didn't criticize it in one iota. What he said was, well, uh, he called the uh, Catholics in the Latin Mass, he called them, uh, what did he say? Radical traditionalists, I think. Are you kidding me? And he said that the problem here was not that the FBI was engaged in surveillance, but that the leadership of the Catholic Church needed to be more involved in this surveillance. But the point is, he had no objection to surveillance of Catholics, and there's no evidence of probable cause of any crime being committed. He also said that they were they were uh, uh, basically working with extremists, mm -hmm. by which he meant white supremacists, and there's absolutely no evidence of that at all. 
And so he went all in for the deep state again. But this is his pattern. I, I think about the, uh, the targeting of people of faith, and because they have a perspective, as we've said from the founders forward, of a connection to a, a divine source, something that is far greater, more powerful, and has integrity, unlike government, uh, the uniqueness within these United States and its foundation, many people uh, in the Democrat Party particularly, but yes, there are some Republicans that also believe in the superiority of government over God and behave as, as if they are our creators and they grant us rights, which we know are actually privileges based on behavior, and that behavior can be modified over time depending on who's in power, which is why our founders also warned us, Jefferson and others said, you don't want the central a bureaucracy to have this kind of power because even if you like what it does now somebody will come into power that has a completely different worldview and use that power that was authorized earlier for good for what you perceive to be good now using it for bad or evil i don't know why it is that we can't mature past that my guy is in so i'm going to support no matter what even if it violates the constitution as opposed to having a principled stance to say it doesn't matter if it's my guy or not this is a power not granted to the government. We need to restrain it and go back to the Constitution. Well, we are living in a world that is defined by the violations of the Constitution rather than instances of adherence. Right and left, this administration is violating the Constitution, whether it is unilateral forgiveness of student loans for which the president acts by executive order with no authority, or the lockdowns ordered by the government, or uh, the insistence on all kids being vaccinated, which violates the, the rights of parents and children, or if it is, uh, or or it is, uh, you know, requiring every business to of 100 employees or more to uh, have every employee vaccinated or tested weekly. All of that is done without any constitutional foundation. Every such action would have. Mm -hmm originate in Congress, but even there, there's no delegated power in the Constitution that would authorize Congress to engage in any of those things, and if it did, it would violate the rights of individuals and should be struck down. The government uh, under the Biden administration has taken upon itself a power to redirect the entire economy, to change all of our lives, to force us out of fossil fuels, to force us into electric cars, to force us out of gas stoves, to require our children to be vaccinated, to force us into an emergency scenario where government has super power over even our bodies to compel us to be vaccinated or lose our jobs. This is the Orwellian uh, nightmare, the dystopian nightmare that people have feared coming uh, you know, to this country and it's here. It's here in, and we are losing our freedom. And the only way we can get it back is if we fight like the Dickens right now mm -hmm. to get it back because they're intent on taking it all away. They have just started, Robert. Oh, yeah. Just the beginning of a movement to, in Chuck Schumer's terms, create transformational change in America. I mean, what about our schools, Robert? What about the transformational change happening in our schools? where kids are being told that they don't have a set gender, that their mm -hmm. genders are fluid, where kids are being told that uh, the United States is an inherently racist country, 
that it's systemically racist and that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you'll never escape that racism. So you got to destroy the country that you live in. Uh, the greatest country on earth, the greatest defense of individual liberty in the history of the world is they're trying to destroy it completely. And, you know, so it's it's I, it's an endless assault, Robert. Look every at time. Borders, everything, oh. Robert. Everything is an assault on our way of life. Jonathan, every time I hear somebody is sending their children to government indoctrination centers, a.k.a. public schools, all the way up to university level. I mean, we just covered the other day Rutgers is still mandating uh, an injection that is is obvious to the whole world now. Doesn't work, never work, was deceived into being and, you know, in various violations of our fundamental freedoms and individual rights and religious liberty as well, uh, in addition to scientific integrity effects that this is causing. I mean, forcing people to take an injection that has uh, a not insignificant risk of severe adverse effects, including long-term adverse effects, and you are compelling people to do this against their will when there is no scientific foundation for it. We're not in a state of high emergency. That's a myth. I mean, look, we're in the endemic phase. We're probably even past that. We're at a stage where this thing is at worst a flu-like uh, disease now. Most people are not croaking from it. And so you're forcing young people who are healthy, who will have modest symptoms, who will get a fulsome immunity from contracting the disease to go through this process of being vaccinated when the adverse effects of the vaccine are significant. They're not insignificant. Oh, they are significant. Jonathan, see, this, this is what concerns me about higher education and I'm not opposed to learning. I love learning. But honestly, most of what I learned was after I graduated from university, I had to unlearn a lot of what we call indoctrination and deception and, and half-truths that, you know, filled in the blanks and just made stuff up by erasing history and rewriting it. And, and so I, 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 you know, somebody said, you know, their, their, their daughter's going to, you know, college just started, you know, everybody's going back to school. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Make sure that you re deprogram your child as often as possible or they're going to come home a little Marxist because the vast majority of these university systems have Marxist teachings and teachers. And, and this is going down in the schools like you just wrote a, a, a piece in Town Hall as well about Parents' Guide to Countering Woke School Indoctrination. All it comes back to is just like G. Edward Griffin has said, collectivism. There's no individual uh, uh, you know, liberty recognition and honestly, that that really leads to everything that we can now, you know, isms, we can call them. But collectivism is that root where you're just a mush of, of, of nothing special. You're not unique. And we can make you do stuff for the greater good they won't define, which comes back to another big question I have about this idea of opting out where they violated your freedom to say, no, I have a religious belief against injecting that or taking that, that you have to go, I don't want in. But the question is, how did we get opted in? Is there anything right. that, you know, it's like, did I, did I sign something I wasn't aware of? Yeah, that's a real problem. And that's the way it is across the board. That's the prior restraint state. The administrative state operates by prior restraint. Like at the FDA, you want to say something in the marketplace about how food can reduce the risk of a disease. Oh, no, you can't say it. Even if you have the proof up for it, you have to first go to the FDA and get their approval. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's just outrageous. That's exactly the prior restraint on speech the founding fathers forbade. And you know what? It's not just that. 
they were against prior restraints. That, that was something they definitely did not want to see across the board in government action. And what we have, Robert, you know, this is so creepy. I, when I was at the, this is wild. So when I was at the University of Illinois, Robert, mm-hmm. there was this weird little guy, actually wasn't little, he was a real tall, skinny guy. Uh, and he had black hair and he'd wear this weird little hat, black hat, and he'd wear black clothes. And he was the head of the, I think, the Spartacus Communist Youth League. So I was the only, uh, I was the only uh, true, you know, freedom lover on the campus of me and uh, probably 25 other kids out of a campus of 65,000 students. You're talking about your university experience of indoctrination. Well, I had that too, although I had some very good professors who weren't at all like that. For example, Dr. John Pruitt, who's a magnificent uh, professor of um, uh, the revolutionary era and, and early American history mm-hmm. um, and, and more, the Stuarts. He was an expert in the Stuarts. Uh, but also, anyway, he uh, was unique among several who were you know, far left. And, and so there I was, Robert, and this weird guy with the hat and the dark hair and real tall who was in the communist group, I started to have publicity about things I was doing in support of Reagan and other things and against the student organization resource fund, which was, again, an opt-out thing where they take your money and if you leave it in there and you don't take it out on a certain day, you support all these radical groups on campus, whether you like it or not. So I advertised the availability of the money and <laughs> they draw kids were coming and getting their money out in such large numbers that they drew down the amount of money so substantially they didn't have the money to fund a lot of these leftist groups including even abortion services on the campus so what happened with this uh this thing uh is that this guy then started following me around or would show up at different events just real creepy weird dude mm-hmm. everywhere and uh and I went up to him one time and I said, you're, you're the, the commie, right? You're the guy who's the, the radical communist dude who runs the Spartacus Communist League that I hope we completely defunded with our removal of money out of the student resource fund. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't say very much, but he said, we will own this country someday. And I looked at him and, and he had this re- just creepy, weird little face you know with the eyes that were dark too and Mm -hmm. i just looked at that guy and i thought you are really a weirdo but now i look back and i think you know he was he was part of that permanent academic class never Mm -hmm. graduating always staying at the university he was he was in his 30s i was in my teens uh and that guy probably died at the university for all i know but he he's he might still be there but that was his thing. His universe was communism and taking over the United States and destroying this country. And he was just one little agent. But that statement to me, yeah. you know, that one day they would own this country, it, Robert. It, yeah, it'd be easy to say there's no way. But at the same time, you look at the uh, concerted effort and the, the, the tentacles that they've, you know, ha- have emerged over from the progressive era of the late 19th century to today, how it's been a long game plan longer than most of us that just kind of, I want to get by today and see if I can get by tomorrow. And they utilize that against us, of course, economically. Uh, and that goes back to the dawn of the Federal Reserve System as well, the corruption and deception associated with our monetary policies, that we don't have honest money. 
And that caused, you know, I talk to people all of the time, Jonathan, especially under the Biden administration with the rapid expansion of the money supply from inflation and sending money all over the world, can't help people at home at all. But uh, I look at the uh, that deception. It's like you work harder and harder, even if your your numbers go up, right? They say, here's a raise, but it never seems to meet the inflationary spiral or the devaluing of the money. So you may have more digits in the bank account, but they purchase less. And so people working harder and harder and spinning their wheels going, I can't make this work. And then, of course, the communists, the Marxists take advantage of that and say, see, it's capitalism that screwed everything up. It's free markets that made it impossible when it has absolutely the opposite is true. And that's the, the missing element in all of the government indoctrination centers all the way through Marxist ideologies taught at university level. Yeah, Bidenomics is brokenomics. It really is. I mean, you want to be broke? Stick with this economy and what he's doing to it. He's going to crush the fossil fuel industry within 10 years, he says. That's the backbone of the American economy. You force everybody to buy an electric car in this country, and you're going to bankrupt everybody. No one's going to be able to afford the car. Uh, if you force people to get rid of their gas stoves and anything that causes a carbon footprint, we're all going to live in a cave, and we're not even going to be able to burn wood because that creates carbon pollution. So what are we going to do? We're going to freeze to death in the wintertime. And we're, going to, we're going to fry in the summertime. We're not going to have any conveniences left. And these idiots are driving us into that state. Now, when you get there, you know what you're going to have next to you as your buddy? The person who's probably going to keep you warm is going to be a member of the CCP because they're going to take full advantage of this. If we commit suicide as a nation like this, what's going to happen? The enemies of the United States are going to take over this country. They're waiting mm -hmm. for an opportunity. So it, it and it doesn't even have to be a violent revolution. If you've got people like that guy I mentioned at the University of Illinois with a black hat on who end up in power in the Biden administration, that's what they're really, their equivalents are all over the Biden administration. Uh, and they're destroying our government, our, our republic. The very last thread of the Constitution is here being torn to shreds. And so if we don't change that direction, we're in for it. It's not just going to be a, an internal collapse because our enemies will seize the day. Remember, we are actually an empire in the world. You may not realize that, but the truth of the matter is we are an empire. We are an economic and military empire in the world. We are a fortress. If we don't defend ourselves, we will be destroyed. There are many parties, not least of which are the North Koreans and the Chinese, communist Chinese and the Iranians, that very much want to see the end of the United States of America. The Muslim Brotherhood wants to destroy us. George Soros wants to destroy us. Alex Soros dutifully wants to destroy us. These people have resources, they have an interest, and they have power. And so when we lower our guard, like when we open our borders and allow anybody in, and we have all this drug trafficking, sex trafficking, when we have whole cities collapsing economically because people are leaving in droves and you have tent cities all over with People are homeless because they induce that by creating an environment favorable to it. When you have no police protection, you destroy the criminal justice system all across in every city with over uh, 76 Soros anti-incarceration prosecutors in power. The, you see where we're going. I mean, this is that true dystopian nightmare. This is that true situation where everything that is dear collapses, where your refuge in your home 
is no longer a place of peace, where suddenly these external forces that have destroyed the inner cities go on in a voracious appetite to consume more. And they come and commit crimes in your neighborhood with no police protection for you. Well, and we've it's seen people that have what they want to do. Yeah, and people. the logical consequence of that mm-hmm. is the destruction of the United States, the elimination of all protection for your family, for your rights, your life, your property, and the assumption of control of these radicals, like they were the Bolsheviks, coming in, breaking into your home eventually. So, look, we cannot just sit back and say, oh, you know what? L.A., well, used to be a city. Now what is it? You know, total disaster. Oh, Portland, bye-bye. You know, San, Di- San Francisco, see you mm-hmm. later. New York, going down. Uh, we And Chicago, bye-bye. You know, we can't just see these things happen and not react. We have to become the vocal majority. We are the majority. We can still save America. But we need to be the vocal majority. And we need to act. And we need to wipe out this corruption in the election process, right? We need the states to stand up for a integrity in, in the election process. And we need to look what they're doing to Donald Trump. Every one of these four indictments, they lack a sound foundation, in fact, to bring the causes of action. These are political prosecutions. It's outrageous. We do have a two-tiered system of justice in America. We do have people like Hunter Biden committing overt crimes over and over and over again, getting off scot-free. Joe Biden never having to answer for the influence peddling, for the violation of the Foreign Emoluments Clause of the Constitution while he was vice president, and even continuing while he's president, receiving these monies into joint accounts from foreign countries, the five million for Joe and the five million for Hunter from Burisma is just one example of many in which he sold out his country for money. So, you know, I mean, this we have got to fix this, Robert. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm running, because I know how to fix these things. I know how to draft the legislation. I know how to defend the Constitution. I know the Constitution. I've been studying it and fighting for it for all of my adult life. This is the time. If we don't do it now, we have a couple of years left maybe. If we don't save our country right now, Robert, we will lose it. We will lose it. Yeah, we see the, uh, you mentioned the cities that have decayed into uh, crime zones. And I, I mentioned too that those who dare stand up against the criminals are then considered to be criminals. It's the biz- most bizarre thing you've ever seen. The you know local DAs often put in place through Soros money begin to uh, indict uh, the people who stand up and say, no, no, no you shall not take th- our stuff, right? Basic concepts of a decent society, even under, well, especially under the common law, but even in equity, you're not supposed to steal from other people. This is how outrageous it is. We have in Loudoun County, they have a uh, Soros-backed Commonwealth's attorney who's an anti-incarceration prosecutor, which means that she doesn't follow her oath of office and actually with impunity lets people back out on the streets to commit crime. Her name is Buddha Biberai or Biberej or whatever it's spelled. I can't tell you how to pronounce her last name. The point is 
that she not only did that, but there is a sheriff in Loudoun County, very popular. He has the record nationally for uh, safety, for protecting the citizens against crime. So you got this dichotomy. He's a Republican. She's a radical leftist Democrat Soros-backed lunatic. And she's the prosecutor. She's the Commonwealth's attorney. He's the law enforcement. He arrests, she lets him go. He arrests, she lets him go. He's been so vigorous in arresting and so diligent in pursuit of law and order that he's been able to keep crime fairly the lowest in the re- in the whole East Coast. Actually, my, my, I think it's the lowest in any city in the United States. But she then, when she was reelected, she tried to eliminate his position. She uh, tried to sneak in through a vote that would replace the police, the sheriff's department, with a new police department under the radicals' control. Mm. And it failed barely because people heard about it and it was coming up for one of these midnight, you know, votes mm-hmm. and they all poured in and they objected to it. And the cowards who are part of that leftist movement, few of them peeled away and it didn't pass. But here, this is this is how bad it is, Robert. And this is it. This is in one of the most populous areas of Virginia, Loudoun County. This is where the whole parents rebellion against the the, the school board happened and the standing up for parents' rights and for kids' rights against this whole woke agenda of CRT and, and, and all of the transitioning and everything. That's been the centerpiece in Loudoun County. But this is just one example, Robert. This is going all over the country. I mean, right in Fairfax County, you got another guy like this, Steve Descano. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, in, in California, they didn't ha- they've never succeeded with that principal recall for uh, what's his name there, the head of the the, the, uh, the district attorney in Los Angeles County. He's another Soros back person. That's accounts for all the crime that's happening and no no prosecution. Hmm. And why is Soros doing this? Because he's an enemy of the United States. He wants to destroy the country. He's got the money and he does this. Most other countries kicked him out. He went there, too, to try to destroy those countries. His big thing is destroying countries, I guess. And so what do we but but in this country, he's the primary financial backer for the Democrat Party. He's going to be the primary financial backer for uh, Tim Kaine. And he's been giving Tim Kaine money since Tim Kaine first ran for office as mayor of Richmond. He gave him fifty thousand dollars in that election. Well, people of Virginia need to wake up to that reality. Folks, if you're just tuning in to the Robert Scott Bell Show, don't touch that dial or whatever they say, because it's not Thursday, it's Wednesday. It's the 16th, and yes, we have Jonathan E. Moore at a special edition, early edition this week, because he's uh, busy with so many campaign uh, events as well. Maybe we can get some insight into that. You can go to emord4va.com, emord4va.com, to see his campaign for the United States Senate to displace uh, Tim Kaine and uh, bring some constitution back to the U.S. Senate or strengthen for those few who are there that that really believe in it and want to support it. Jonathan's got a unique experience within the court system as an attorney, uh, constitutionally focused, dealing with the administrative state, uh, talking about things like prior restraint on speech, for instance. Uh, We have uh, witnessed so many of our friends in this 
what we call natural products industry, whether they're doctors or scientists or just business people being restricted in their freedom to say, hey, you know what? We have this natural substance. God created it. We're just making sure it's as clean and, and, and potent as possible for you. And the science here shows, even in peer-reviewed literature, that it can do this. The example is the, my classic favorite is all the selenium stuff, uh, selenium preventing cancer, reversing cancer, on and on it goes. And you have battled the FDA, beaten them eight times, and yet the FDA still refuses to allow the freedom of speech associated with even scientifically validated speech. Uh, you know, I'm doing some trainings for companies occasionally, and these health food stores that are receiving some of the trainings are frightened to death that you would say something that crosses the line, that even if it's scientifically validated. Oh, no, you can't include any peer-reviewed articles when you're talking about a dietary supplement. The FDA will come down and shut us down. Even today, folks, this is so far beyond and longstanding before it became obvious to most everybody that when you talk about freedom and health together, that has been something that's been diminished or eliminated from our culture for a long time. It only became more obvious under COVID when doctors, too, were persecuted and prosecuted for speaking truthful, not misleading, not misinformation. And even if it were, you'd have the right to <coughs> excuse me, communicate what you believe to be true, even if you ended up to be wrong. But it turns out all the people that were purveyors of the official narrative from government, media, medicine, they were the ones who were wrong. We who were banned and uh, basically deplatformed in so many ways, even shows that Jonathan and I have done were banned. We're correct and are correct. And even if we were wrong, the thing is we have the, uh, I guess, the authenticity to go, you know what? We were wrong on this. And you know it, what, Robert? We were right. But we weren't wrong. Yeah. And when we were talking, when we were criticizing the vaccine, when we were criticizing the suppression of early treatments and we got kicked off these platforms by these ridiculous, uh, you know, uh, uh, patsies for the Biden administration and for the FBI were out there trying to suppress every instance where somebody took issue with the vaccine or took issue with the administration's position uh, or took issue with the early treatments. Uh, that whole regime of censorship was analogous, but far worse than the censorship that happened under the Adams administration when they had the Alien Sedition Acts and drove out of existence some 15 or so uh, Republican editors who are incarcerated. Yeah. It's, 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 it's repulsive. This country hinges very strongly on the First Amendment. It's first for a reason. The idea that here you can be free to speak as you will, and you can be free to criticize government, and, uh, and you can call into question any measure. Uh, that was the hallmark of the First Amendment. And yet we've gone through an era that even continues where these big tech platforms have turned themselves into patsies for the administration's position and have censored out any criticism. Well, you know what? That's totalitarianism. That's what happens in communist China. That means that your freedom is at an end. And so it's a good thing to see that there's been changes, that the courts have actually started to stand up against this and yeah. the First Amendment. And that's really been the bastion of defense of liberty for us in this very woefully dark period. And that has been the courts. Mm -hmm. the courts have been, a, have been that last resort where uh, we had hoped they would rise up. And in fact, they did. Uh, now, they didn't do it perfectly. And there are some decisions I wish would have gone the other way. But they did it enough so that there is now a legal impediment 
to uh, this whole activity. It, it persists and it has mm -hmm. to be the subject of more legal attack, but it shows you that at least the uh, Constitution, while it hangs by a thread, was animated uh, and given life again by ju judges who are not willing to lie down and allow this totalitarianism to take hold uh, completely in this country. Now let's do the job of getting rid of that. Let's drive totalitarianism out of this nation. Let's make us a free people again. Let's defend our rights against government. Let's mm -hmm. end the administrative state. Let's, let's uh, you know, do something commonsensical, like get rid of the Department of Education or the Department of Commerce or the Department of Energy. Let's unleash fossil fuel production. Let's be energy independent again. And as far as the environment is concerned, you know what works better for environmentalism than centralized planning, which never works? You want to see a centralized planned environment? Go look at communist China's mm -hmm. uh, uh, health, uh, oh, the man. quality of air in Beijing. Give, yeah. it, give it a good whiff. See how you like that. Uh, but instead, free market environmentalism. Mm -hmm. That's the solution where you give incentives for business to clean up its act. They know their business better than you do as a bureaucrat. No bureaucrat knows every single industry. It's all different. And if you want to have a dynamic free enterprise economy, at the same time you clean up the environment, you encourage industry to get rid of the inefficiencies, which are, which are pollutants, and you do that by giving them incentives to do it. And if you, if you want to accelerate it, you give them incentives, tax incentives to do it. And I think that this is the kind of thing that could bridge the divide, the Hegelian dialectic that is played against both sides. Uh, Bobby Kennedy is running for president. You know, Robert F. Kennedy is also an attorney and environmentalist and avowed environmentalist who's done real, real good work in terms of cleaning it up. And he even says the best way to manage this, uh, you know, issue with environment or climate is the free market is incentivizing. So there's a lot of alignment. Uh, between the, the, the so-called sides that could never, ever get along, never talk, never discuss, never learn anything. And we're seeing some evidence that uh, there are people that are rising up even well. He says from his lineage as a Kennedy Democrat, it's far different than what we see as Marxist Democrats today. Because his, well, his, his, uh, his, his uncle, John F. Kennedy, mm -hmm. um, was brought us the most significant reduction in the marginal tax rates in American history before the Economic Recovery Tax Act under President Reagan. They cut the rate, I can't remember, something like from 90% down to 50%. The, the progressive income tax is outrageously communistic. It punishes you when you earn more. It punishes you. It just gives you a disincentive to be productive. And so, we have to get rid of the whole progressive nature of the income tax. We need a flat tax, really. We need a 10% flat tax. I like um, what Ted Cruz has proposed, a 10% flat, flat tax. And I would say you would start it at an income level of, say, $50,000 a year. And then you start taxing people at 10% flat. That's it. It's invariable. No matter how much you make, it's always a 10%. And that, I think, would be uh, a much better. Uh, well, it's an improvement. I, I'm, I'm along with Ron Paul, eliminate the income tax and find other ways to raise funds for the for legitimate constitutional. Well, that's, of course, where we want to go. But yeah. there's you have to go through. So we're in a worst case scenario the, now. So the you ground, gotta, yeah, the ground of liberty is gained scenario. in inches. Right. This is the point of what yeah. you're pointing. And We've got to get there. Petit à petit, l'oiseau fait son lit. Little <laughs> by little, the bird makes its nest. 
That's what we need to do. We need to move in the right direction on this. And where we can move dramatically, we need to. And we can move dramatically in limiting the regulatory state. We've seen how the courts have had success in doing that. Uh, but the legislature is the ultimate answer. And what would I do? I would eliminate all uh, administrative law judge hearings and make the agencies go to independent Article Three courts where all of your rights are recognized and protected. No more administrative kangaroo courts. And then in addition to that, I would have the, the what, I, what I introduced, well, what I wrote for Ron Paul that he introduced, mm -hmm. which is the um, Congressional Responsibility and Accountability Act. And that under that act, uh, I put in there that if any uh, agency proposes a regulation, it will not have the force or effect of law unless passed into law by Congress, restoring the separation of powers and all existing laws, uh, all existing regulations mm -hmm. would be sunsetted within three years unless Congress uh, adopted them. This would likewise defang the administrative state. It would liberate us from these prior restraints. It would liberate us from all of these sorts of problems. In addition, I would act directly to get rid of the Food and Drug Administration's prior restraint on speech. There should be no prior restraint by the FDA. And we need to privatize the drug approval process. It's so doggone corrupt. Look at how many unsafe drugs have been allowed into the marketplace. We need a statutory system that has safeguards for evaluating safety and efficacy of drugs. We need independent parties to perform that under the statutory system in a blinded manner to determine whether a drug is safe and efficacious. We need real independent testing of drugs. Right now, we just have the drug company's own testing. The FDA does no independent testing, relies completely on what the drug companies give it. So in that environment, you get drugs approved right and left, right? And that's, so we have a, an inherent conflict of interest in the law. It's a, it's an incredible thing we're witnessing, uh, the lack of, uh, let's say, uh, first knowledge of the things we talk about. Now, in this audience, I feel like people are up to speed a lot more, but there are new folks joining us all of the time. And I want to give them as well the, the time we share together. Again, it's an unusual day because normally we have you on Thursdays, but with the campaign trail and cycle, it worked out today to have you on uh, on Wednesday, which is great. So, so folks, if you maybe haven't witnessed our Thursday show, people have different days that they watch or listen. Jonathan E. Mord running for the United States Senate would bring constitutional sanity back to it, will enhance the ability of others that believe in the Constitution to, to be more efficient in terms of uh, restoring it and have a sound constitutional basis for doing so as opposed to you know, not knowing why all of these things are happening. You can check him out at emord4va.com, E-M-O-R-D-F-O-R-V-A.com. Uh, upcoming events, I'm, I'm on the website now, Jonathan, and, and the upcoming event that's listed is a week from, uh, let's see, today being the 16th, so a week from today, in fact, uh, the 23rd Williamsburg meet and greet at Sal's by Victor, so historic Williamsburg, Virginia is going to host you. I know that tomorrow you have some other event, but I don't know if that's a media event or something else going on on Thursday, the uh, yeah, 17th. It's a, it's a private event, but okay. we have an event tomorrow. We have actually one on Saturday as well. We're mm. actually going to have extensive door knocking. Uh, all of our volunteers in the region are going to start going door to door. It's amazing, Robert. It's amazing. We have had so much success. We have a massive army of, of volunteers and they come out to our events and they go door to door on their own. 
and we we are giving them all of the you know we're basically turned into a publishing house because we're mm -hmm. giving them all the material that they need to keep uh, out there and keep everything going. We had this one person who is so energetic. His name's he goes by Ace, uh -huh. and um, he was so energetic. He put together all these volunteers and they put up these huge four by eight uh, emord for Senate signs uh, all throughout the Northern Neck, which is part of Virginia on the coastline. And it's amazing. I mean, we get these calls every day. People are asking us for the signs and for the materials every day. And it, it's it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see people rise up in defense of the Constitution, to see them say, you know, I want my rights protected and I'm going to act on that and become a part of this wonderful army of, for, for liberty that we are creating in Virginia. And I just it it's it's a movement, Robert. It's it is not me alone and thank goodness for that and it could never work with me alone it has to be a movement and it is people are rallying to this standard and you saw it when we did the rallies you saw people oh, yeah. coming out. that was early days of the campaign and they said oh you know you'll be lucky if there are five or six people or ten people and we had 70 or more people at these rallies mm -hmm. and and it was really quite impressive that we see again now when we go to the breakfast clubs, when we go to have events that we sponsor and mm -hmm. forums, we're seeing very large numbers. And I think that's indicative of the strength of uh, the public's will in favor of defending against ruin our Constitution, making sure that our rights, rights over our kids' schooling, rights over their upbringing, rights over our lives and our property are protected and that this whole regime that is attacking it at every level of government is going to be fixed. We're working so hard right now to get in 2023, all these state candidates elected who are trying to fight for liberty. Mm -hmm. I've been backing a number of them in Virginia and going to events with them and endorsing them. Remind me of the man that I met when we were doing the early uh, uh, meet and greets and the, the rallies that we did, who's running also on a state level um, or, or a county level. It was related to election integrity in Virginia. He was also a veteran, a really good guy. He's a great guy. Unfortunately, he lost his primary election. Close, close, uh, though, came close, but he lost his primary election. But he's still there and he's okay. still active and he's still part of the movement and he still strongly supports uh, me. And I'm so grateful for that. His name is Matt Strickland. That's right, Matt. And a good guy, really. Is no. a, he is a true combat veteran. There, there are people running in these races and they're saying, hey, you know, I'm a combat veteran. And we look into their background and oops, yeah. you're not really a combat veteran. This one who said, I, I'm a fellow at MIT and Harvard. And we look into the background. He doesn't have a degree from Harvard or MIT. <laughs> He's wow. running around. So, but, you know, you have all kinds, right? And in the end, what matters most today is defending the Constitution. And to do that, we really need people in office who understand deeply the Constitution, who don't have a superficial understanding, but understand the precedent and understand the law sufficient to protect our rights by changing it. Because the Democrats and the far left who have rewritten our laws and have reinterpreted the Constitution, mm -hmm have a legacy of over a hundred years now of manipulation of that constitution in ways that harm us. We have to get that back. 
Uh, Judge uh, Ginsburg in the in the D.C. Circuit has referred to the limitations on government power in the Constitution as our Constitution in exile. All these power limiting doctrines that existed at the time of the founding and that are written into the Constitution uh, have been written out of it by judicial decision. And so action by the legislature is needed to reestablish uh, adherence to those power limiting doctrines. And it starts with ending the administrative state. It starts with, as you mentioned, getting rid of a, a usurping uh, tax authority that endeavors to tax every aspect of our lives and restoring freedom all across mm -hmm. the board, economic liberty as well as uh, civil liberty. And so, you know, we've got a long way to go, but if you have someone in there who doesn't understand the law, who can't write the law because they're not a lawyer and have no legal experience, they're going to look to lawyers to write the law. If they want to do something, they will do that. But what the problem is, is that if you don't have a in-depth understanding of the existing law yes. and of existing regulation and mm -hmm. of how the regulatory state works yeah. and where it's vulnerable, you don't know how to fix it. No, you'll end up writing laws that make things worse. And, yeah. and, and, and you and, become a patsy of the Washington inside establishment, right. right? The very establishment that is trying to defeat Donald Trump, that was trying to defeat every initiative he put through. That establishment, that rhino establishment, mm -hmm. that establishment is where these people who don't know what they're doing when they're elected go. Mm -hmm. They go there and then they become no. soldiers in an army that perpetuates the very things that we have to get rid of in order to save the Constitution and save our people, save our freedom. So, yeah, it's a big problem. And I'm just hoping that what we see, which is overwhelming support, will over time as we spread this message, as people understand more in depth, the people will appreciate that what you have in this opportunity to defend the Constitution is precious. It's not fungible. You got to go with those like Ron Paul, Rand Paul, uh, um, Jim Jordan, mm -hmm. Mike Lee. Mike, yeah. Uh, these people who really understand the Constitution and who appreciate what has to be done, they're waiting. They're waiting. I'm a, I'm a person who is in that same ideological camp, and I want to go in and be a freedom fighter. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to Washington to feather my nest. I don't want to do that. I, I, I already feathered my nest. Yeah. I believe in feathering your nest in the private sector, but the most important thing about feathering your nest is that it only gets feathered in a free market if you help a person get to a point where they're better off than they were before. My whole yeah. career has been beating government efforts to violate rights, putting people in a position where the law can protect them and their businesses can thrive and their ability to communicate truthful information to the American public can be restored and protected. And, and I've been fighting against the government. I battle against the best lawyers that the Department of Justice can bring to bear for the administration. And I've won again and again and again and again. And the reason why is that 
you come into battle fully armed. You know the Constitution. You know the law intimately. You have the facts in detail. You've got the thorough record. You know how to overcome them. And that's what you need in the Senate. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to make law and win law. Get it passed. That's what you need to persuade people to join the standard in favor of the changes. And so it's that depth. It's that understanding. That is the true uh, heir to the Constitution that we need in Washington. And there are a lot of people that are nice guys. They, They may have been in the military, and I'm all for that. I salute that. But... If your whole basis for proceeding is that I was in the military and you don't have that constitutional background, you know, that might be great to be the Joint Chiefs of Staff, but it is not what we need right now. We don't want to go to war. We We don't want to go to war at all. We want to save our country, save the Constitution, save the economy, save our kids from Marxism in the schools, save that our whole nation so that we can prosper economically and afford a military defense. Sure, and a strong defense precludes the need to go to every, you know, incursion because it'll be so strong, we'll be uh, likely, less likely to be attacked, as you say. That's, uh, you know, going back to your origin point in terms of the young attorney and the Reagan administration, your reluctance to join the FTC because you told them you don't believe it should exist, which is why they wanted you in, and all of those years fighting for freedom. Uh, yeah. All of these things, fighting for the Constitution. This is the thing about your the profession you're in as an attorney, as you see, so many attorneys, whether they're in Congress or in the Senate or not, do not have a sound basis in the Constitution, and they often fight against the Constitution. Well, exactly. And in fact, every step I took was against the grain. I mean, you had, when I fought for people's constitutional rights, I was the first person to raise a constitutional challenge in favor of freedom of speech before the FDA in its whole history. Yeah. And so I'm being told by these members of the bar, hey, look, if you know what's good for you, young fella, you're not going to bring a challenge like this. You're going to become persona non grata with the FDA commissioner. You won't be able to represent anybody before the FDA because they won't, they won't help you. You're not going to be able to compromise and find a way to help your clients. You're going to lose your whole opportunity to be a lawyer in this bar. I was told this by the senior lawyer for the bar at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he told me, you got to drop this case. I'll call your clients. I'll convince them to do it. You'll never be welcome with Senator Orrin Hatch. You'll never be welcome with Senator Harkin. And then when he finished all this nonsense, I said, you know what? Before you call someone and endeavor to persuade them of something, it's usually a good idea to find out what motivates them. Because if you're mistaken about their fundamental motivation, then you can be so off the mark that you can't persuade them. I said, that's your problem right now. I'm motivated by the Constitution. I want to defend individual rights. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm a lawyer. That's the only reason why I got into the business of being a lawyer. I don't care about these people. I don't care about being buddies with one senator or another senator or being at a dinner with the commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration or being invited into his office. I don't care about that. They're violating the Constitution. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to stop it. Boy, did he read so you I wrong. Did, I did, right? Yeah. So I did. I won this landmark case. Okay. Well, you know what? That wasn't enough. They still tried. 
So they rolled out the red carpet and they invited me into this FDA forum. They fully expect that by, by schmoozing with me a little bit and by saying that the best, you know, the, you got to become a part of the program. So you don't want to be an outsider. They invite me to this thing. And what did I do? I attacked them in the forum <laughs> in defense of the First Amendment. And then what else did they try to do? Well, one big company tried to get me to be their new head of an entire division, which if I took that position, would have created a conflict of interest with all my clients and would have prevented me from continuing to sue the FDA. And that's what they wanted. They would take, take me out of commission. It was worth a million bucks a year to do it. That's mm -hmm. how much they wanted to pay me. And I said no. And the reason I said no is that that's not my thing. I'm here to defend the Constitution. Then when, look, another instance, I get a call on the phone. The person says they're in Canada. They said that they have a drug that they want to introduce in the United States. The drug that they described to me over the phone was not a drug that was legal for sale in the United States. So they were saying, when we try to import this drug into the United States, export it from Canada and bring it in the United States, we're gonna, we have problems with customs and the FDA. Can you help us come up with a means of circumventing that so we can get it in? In other words, can you help us commit a felony? Can you help us violate the law? Well, I don't like the law, but it's the law. And I've sworn an oath to uphold the law as well as the Constitution as a lawyer. And furthermore, I'm no criminal and I'm not going to do any criminal thing. So I told the person, you know what? You're asking me to commit a felony. You're asking me to conspire with you to violate the law. I won't do that. I said, you've got a, one choice, a legal means through which to get this into the country. And you're going to have to figure that out. But if you try to do an illegal means of getting into the country, you're not going to find a friend in me. I swore an oath to uphold the law, not violate it. Mm -hmm. So I hung up and I have caller ID. And you know what, Robert? That phone number was from a 202 number. Oh, my gosh. That was from Washington, D.C. That like, wasn't from Canada. That was a sting. And let me tell you this. So I, I didn't immediately look at the caller ID. I looked at it the next day, mm. and I dialed that number, well. and it went to the Food and Drug Administration. <laughs> All right. There you go. Uh-uh. Not well, going to play I'm that game. People are scum. Yeah. yeah. They are willing to do anything. Mm -hmm. Trap. Uh, bribe. Oh yeah, the deceptions, the uh, violations right. of law, Constitution, etc. There's nowhere, nowhere that won't. It all, and I fought every bit of it, and I have not buckled into it one iota. This wrong. is why y'all support Jonathan E. Moore like I do to get into the United States Senate. Even if you're not in Virginia, it will benefit all of the people of America and the limitation on government our founders set up. Commercial just for a minute. I never do this very quick because we're out of time. Emord4va.com. If you can spare any money, donate. Please do. All yeah. our dollar donations are actually important. We like to get as many as we can get. So if you can donate, great. And you can do or crypto can too. Or go go for it. But yeah. and you can donate in crypto too. But it'll really help. And I'd very much appreciate all your support. Jonathan E. Moore, God bless you, my brother. It's so good to have you on a Wednesday to introduce you to a whole bunch of new people to support you for the United States Senate. God bless you. We got another hour of healing coming. The power to heal, even politically, is yours.
All right, this hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show. What are we doing? Well, it's you, me, and Super D. Uh, was that a surprise a Wednesday with Jonathan E. Mort? I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. To have someone so committed to the cause of liberty, limited constitutional governance, uh, we have an opportunity here to do something good. And it doesn't mean that's the only thing to do, but I think it's a significant one, no matter where you are in America. Please support Jonathan E. Moore. Check it out in the show notes today, robertscottbell.com. Uh, we've got to talk about dementia risks associated with uh, stopping uh, the stomach acid production. Or we'll talk more about what's the latest with YouTube. Will they ever let us back on? I don't think so. Uh, are they still censoring? Uh, heart attacks. Is it a conspiracy theory that there are more heart attacks happening among younger and younger people than ever before post-scam pandemic? Well, we'll hit that as well. But first, what about authority? What about, a hey, you will respect my authority. How many of you fa have fallen prey over the many years you've been alive to authority figures that told you this is the way it is? This is the way it's got to be. This is the way it's going to be. And you're like, ask why. And of course, it's one thing when you're a kid challenging your parents and it can get annoying. I admit it. I'm a parent, but I hope that you'll take the time to engage your kids to answer the question. Why? Because when your kid asks why, sometimes it's like, just shut up, kid, and do it. <laughs> it's one thing when you're talking about, you know, the safety of your children at certain ages. But when they're maturing intellectually and you do that you're really going to uh, uh, do them some harm. And it, it often, though, it's done, maybe you mean well. But how many people have grown up and didn't question authority, maybe because of parents, maybe not. Maybe it's because the parents followed blindly authority figures within various realms of reality, from media sources, government, medicine, doctors, etc., or even church leaders, synagogue leaders, whatever. And this is not me uh, arguing for rebellion in any of those areas, but I would ask that you ask questions like why, and hopefully, prayerfully, the people that are uh, being asked that question will try to explain why, or at least direct you to, why don't you read this? This has a lot of the information as to why I'm saying what I'm saying, why I'm telling you what I'm telling you, that kind of thing. But for too long, we Americans have been growing up in various kinds of families, becoming adults, and then acting as little children in the presence of experts, authority, or authoritarians. Whether it's Cartman in uh, South Park saying, you will respect my authority. Of course, that's a, a joke, but it's not because many people demand that fealty to them because they have a medical degree or a PhD degree. Do we assume that they know more than we know, and do we do so at our own peril? Or do they know some things that we don't know? But when it violates that, what, that smell test you talk about, does it pass the smell test? It's like, that doesn't smell right. You know what I'm talking about? Do we give them a pass because they are in government or in media or in medicine or a church leader? Or do we go as, I think, appropriately, a church leader, synagogue leader, whatever, would direct you to direct contact with the divine, direct revelation even. This may be even beyond what we call um, intellectual knowledge. 
But uh, what do you got there, Super Don? Put, show that on the screen. <laughs> this is George Carlin, the comedians among us. Uh, don't just teach your children to read. It's much more important to teach children to question what they read. Teach them to question everything. Now, Super Don, come in here as a dad and a grandpa, too. We both appreciate and respect and, and, and enjoyed George Carlin over the years that he was alive and still refer to him very often. But where is that line drawn in terms of authority figure that you are as a dad raising kids <laughs> respectfully and then embracing <clears throat> kids that actually question you? You know, where, you know what I'm talking about? That line of uh, it's uh, uh, ob obedience, disobedience in terms of... <sighs> Because you were you were a bit rebellious as a kid. You've told some of those stories. But I really appreciate respect when my kids will question me or even challenge me. I mean, it's kind of difficult as a parent. At certain points, it's inappropriate, right? We can talk about that. But where is that balance so we can teach these kids not to blindly accept authoritarian figures that are sending them down a road to danger in terms of what? Medical interventions, injections, et cetera? And that's a big question, but I, I think you have some insight here. I uh, I raised a team of uh, lawyers, <laughs> and officially, and it, it. I mean, I was far from being the perfect parent, but um, that is one thing that they they picked on picked up on. Yeah, uh, my son, my my uh, namesake, mm -hmm. or I guess I'm his namesake. But in any case, <laughs> uh he went through this phase for a long time where it's like you'd be talking or anybody would be talking to him and it would be his immediate reaction would be actually. And then it would go on, you know, and it was like, he, you know, and it got very annoying uh, mm -hmm. after a while. And, and there would be the sparring every once in a while with the kid. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, yes. about, you need to do this. Why? Well, you know, because it's what you do. Why? Mm -hmm. You know, um, in hindsight, I'm glad now, it was extremely annoying at, at the time in the moment, mm -hmm. but I'm glad because my kids have grown up and they don't put up with BS from, from anybody or anything. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're tough. Well, um, I, I will acknowledge, like my son, sometimes it gets to the point of annoyance. I'll admit it. Right? You're like, all right, that's, kid. Dude, that's part of parenthood. I right? mean, listen, if you don't want to be annoyed with your kids, don't have kids. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just, that's just how it is. It's a package deal. But overall, uh, his critical thinking skills are very much intact. He does not believe or trust authority, and some would say, well, that's anti-establishment. Well, if the establishment is invested in enslaving your mind, your body, and your spirit, I think that's a good thing to be. Uh, and, and, you know, raising children to question. Now, it becomes problematic typically when it comes to matters of faith. You know, this is the, the more controversial side of things. It's like, okay, you raise a kid to be a Republican or a Libertarian, and he becomes a Democrat. You're like, oh, my gosh. But yeah. you sometimes handle that. Or what if you're of a specific faith and your children decide to do something different? Yeah. You know, what, do you believe it happens? Yourself? That's what I that did. One? Well, yeah. You know, the point is, what is the path for you? Is it between you and the Creator? It's not my job. You know, but, my dad and I, yeah. I, I carried the tradition on this, mm -hmm. um, and it's something I it's special to me. My dad, he said to me, because I listen, like you said, yeah, I had a, I had an interesting childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, my, every gray hair my dad grew, he earned, um, <laughs> yeah. being, you know, parenting me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, in the end he told me, listen, I, you, you do what you, you do you, what you're going to do. All I care is that you're happy. If you're safe and you're happy, that's what matters. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I did with, with my kids as well. And I think ultimately that's, you know, you can have expectations and, and, and things um, that you mostly keep to yourself, hopefully, mm-hmm. as a parent with your kids when they're growing up because you don't want to pressure them into being something that they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just, you want them to be themselves, the best, the best uh, selves right. that they can be. And so it's okay to be disappointed, I guess, as a parent to a certain degree, because you might, you know, be like, oh, I want them to, you know, to grow up and they're going to become this or, you know, whatever like that. But ultimately some kids, they can do that. And I hated those kids. <laughs> Did you hate those kids? The ones that were just like, everything was perfect and the grades were just right. And they went to the college and they got the great job and they got the wife with the dog and the picket fence. Screw you guys. You guys suck. <laughs> You know, it's like that. you're not supposed to be perfect. You know, well, well, you got to stumble and fall and struggle, you know, and stuff. You, you, you never see what's behind the curtain in those kids lives. Yeah. Too. But even then, you know, it's like you talk to some of them. They're like, oh, man, I had a really rough day today. Oh, what happened with you? Oh, you know, I got I got a you know, hangnail. It's like, shut up. You know, it's like you don't know. You know, you don't know what it's like to struggle. Some of these super D are you, you're, you're comparing your struggle to another struggle. I am. I only, know. only because they compared it to yours. I guess. First, sure. right? I'm, I'm just whining. Well, everybody's, everybody's <clears throat> pain is uniquely their own, and we could sometimes see clearly how much pain it is. Sometimes it's hidden, and we don't know. And even in those cases where you have the perspective, like you mentioned, Super D, certainly there were kids that, you know, straight A's, whether they worked hard or not, many of them did, but they went through the college thing, and they're doing what they think. But, again, what is it that fulfills them? I don't know. And maybe they learned after all of those years, many of them do to, man, I, I kind of wasted my time and, and this really wasn't fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what is it? that? You and know, I don't I, wish that on anybody, you no, know, but sometimes I, it's just that's their that's your journey, you know. But I encourage people to follow their bliss. What that might be is different for everybody. And I might, as you point out, as a dad, you might have an idea of what you'd like for your kids, but they, they grow up to be adults and they got to figure it out. That the, You just hope that you gave give them the skill set and practice with it enough that they are able to manage and navigate. I'm uh, at a point in my life right now. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you bring this up because, yeah. you know, my wife and I were talking about it the other day and it's just like, you know, my, my, my oldest daughter's 31, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and then it goes, you know, down there, 29, 27. You know. um, they're getting married. Mm. They're, they're, Owning houses, you know, mm-hmm. and and you know, it's just like, and they have they have good partners, and you know, it's just it's really kind of cool. I don't know how it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just did, you know, what they were going to do. But yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately, you know, I myself personally, I'm just being selfish right now and taking over the show. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just well, I just it's just an opportunity for me to express something that I've been been experiencing recently, where it's like I'm looking around, I'm going, wow, everything's turning out cool. <laughs> you know, the kids are doing good. They're having kids and they got grandkids, and they're 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 doing better than I did. And ultimately, for me, that's what I want. Yeah. I want them to do better than I did, please. That's awesome. Yeah. Lord God, please do better than I did. Well, you can't. I, wait a second. Should I feel <laughs> insulted by that? I know. I get it totally as a parent. Yeah. You want your kids to do better. What does that mean, though? Now, Lori, our good friend Lori, who we got to see at the Red Pill Expo, it was so great to see you, Lori. Uh, she says, We raised our kids to question everything. I heard about her every time as parent teacher conferences. Uh, I was even told a time or two to tell them not to do that. I said I wouldn't do that. Our child. One child now blindly follows the pharmaceutical complex, and uh, the other uh, 
still questions everything, even at work. And, you know, this is the thing. You you raise two kids or a number of kids in the same family, and they turn out radically different. What does that tell you about the uniqueness of each soul that inhabits the body just because you all raised them the same way or similar? And there's never an identical thing because kids are going to interact differently with their parents no matter what. It, it can result in differences in, in how they manifest as adults. And, and you've done your best, Lori, to teach them critical thinking skills. And one decided to go down the path of blind obedience to pharma. Another says, I question everything. You did nothing wrong. You did everything right. And it's the kid's choice when they become adults. How are they going to deal with what you've tried to train them to do? And what is the ideal, you know, whatever our perception is? I don't know. I mean, every soul has a unique path, mission, passion, etc. And even as parents, we might not fully know until they grow up and identify it for themselves. So why are we talking about this, Super D? You know, you sent me this article from Brownstone, and the headline reads, Don't assume that experts know something you do not. Clearly, that's good advice. (laughs) Because in many cases, the medically agreed health professional, so to speak, health, uh, use that term loosely there, know very little about health. And just because they have a degree and a license, et cetera, doesn't make them smarter than you. In fact, it makes them more programmable than you more than anything else. But you think they're superior? They think they're superior? And shout out to mom in the audience. Hi, mom, love you. And she, she taught me to question authority. I have to give her props for that as well. Uh, but you look at the idea of authority. Experts, what does that mean? Trust the experts. Trust the science. These things are more religious or, or cult-like and demanding devotion and fealty, etc., to something that could be deadly wrong, dead wrong. So for me, you know, when we talk about issues like intelligence quotients or IQ, somebody could have a high IQ but could be dumb as a rock when it comes to common sense. And some people could be scoring the lowest on the IQ and the SATs, and you're like, man, they can fix anything. They can navigate their way through any problem. And you're like, well, Who's smarter in real terms, right? Don't be so smart that you can't fall back on what was once called common sense or even a direct relationship to the divine that would guide you. And I've talked about this as an example of a, you know, highly decorated surgeon, maybe the tops in his or her field, and yet they're atheistic in their outlook on life. They don't believe in anything beyond what they can, you know, reduce, if you will. and. What of those folks in a time where they are so they've achieved such levels of expertise that they would not listen to anybody with any other ideas because they know it all? And what happens when a message comes through to them? Something in their brain, they hear it or their mind, they don't even perceive it. It's like, you know, it's saying, don't do that. Don't do that cut. What do you, and, and you're like, but I do this cut every day. And I'm the best in the world at it in surgery. But the message is, if you do this cut in this particular case, that patient will die. Now, if you dismiss potential of reality that's beyond the physical world or the mental constructs, a message from God directly, oh, no, that's not possible. I don't even believe in that, right? And, and then, you know, the, the worst happens. This is why I've, I, I've encouraged folks that, you know, if you're, if you're seeking a doctor for help, first question is how often do they poop? Second question is, do you believe in God? <laughs> you live a, a life of, of faith of some kind. And I'm not saying what kind it has to be. You've got to determine if you're comfortable with that. But the idea here is that you know that a person of faith, if they practice their faith, they don't just say it, that they'll be open to the guidance from above or within or beyond. 
messages, you know, whether they come as subtle whispers in the moment of they know it's right to do it this way, but one time they get the message, it's not, and they actually listen. We've had stories like that all the time. One particular uh, soul, uh, shall I say that, that has uh, been featured on this show a number of times, my friend Ann Archer Butcher, she's lived her life in that way. Absolute reliance on divine spirit. And the more we can do, the more I do that, the better off I am in being uh, guided through so-called shark-infested waters of life. The things I do might not be right for you, but they're right for me and my state of consciousness to help me navigate the life to do what I believe I am here to do. And it's not just one thing any of us are here to do. We're here to do a lot of different things, but you might have one overriding job per se. And, you know, for me, this is the healing ministry, which is non-denominational. Everybody's welcome to provide a reminder that you are connected to a source far smarter than any doctor. I don't care what kind of doctor. You know, even as we had uh, Dr. Brian Artis, who's a doctor of chiropractic on, smarter than most medical doctors, or at least willing to take the time to read and learn and apply that knowledge that may fly in the face of, of medicine or might have you conclude, as I have as a homeopath now, what I didn't know early on, that all drugs by definition are toxic, and if you use them at all, they should be used sparingly and for only short purposes of time, short points of time to get you out of a life and death crisis, perhaps, but to rely on them in their totality forever is a disaster, not in the making, but in reality right now. And so if we, if we came down hard on medical doctors on our, I think it was yet Monday show. Yeah. Was that yesterday, two days ago now for uh, recorded at the red pill expo. It's only because they have, uh, you know, st stood at and claimed to be the experts among us. But what does it mean to be an expert? or part of the expert class. This Brownstone article by Eric Hussey uh, in a concluding paragraph, does it mean anything in the real world? He says it only means this, the expert, in quotes, class is nothing special in intelligence. If anything, this is a clarion call to the general masses of the top of the U.S. to stop assuming the experts know something. You can use the same search engines as they do to learn facts. And together, we far, far outstrip the intelligence of all of the experts put together. We should not be intimidated, but rather we should be outraged that the minor clique of primarily arrogant versus extra smart people has demanded with the active assistance of government to be surrogate decision makers for us normal people. Whatever that is, normies, I don't know. And he further says it's hard, though, not to be impressed with their highly developed form of condes condescension. <laughs> Very close to being an art form. As Richard Feynman, 1965 Nobel Prize winner in physics wrote, science is the belief in the ignorance of the experts. Time to follow Feynman. Forget following arrogant clowns defining themselves as the science. Great article, Super D. Do you agree with a lot of that in there? I, I like that. Very good perspectives uh, that he brings out. Kind of fits to what we do. Um, yeah, I did like that. That was good. Um, it reminded me, you mm -hmm. know, we were talking the other day about Peter Hotez. Um, he's got his new book out. And I, uh, I made a little change to the title of the book. Mm -hmm. I thought it, it's fitting there. The, the Deadly Rise of Anti-Science? A Clown's Cry for Attention. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Hotez's <laughs> statement? I'm, he's a clown crying for attention? That's beautiful. I added that. But That's, in any case. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Can we get that out as a meme? That would be fun. Maybe, yeah. I was thinking about it. 
That is very good. Yeah. I had another version that was a little more, um, I don't know. Pointed? Yeah. But in any case, yeah, I get distracted once in a while. You know, Never. You Just would never like, be hey, distracted. Hey, why don't I do that? Anyway, yeah, it was a good article. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's important. It's an interesting topic, really. Yeah. Um, because we live in a, a, a world, especially if you spend any time on social media, Mm-hmm. of just large large groups of people that just don't think they just they don't they don't they don't question anything they just go yeah. right along with what it is everybody else is doing follow right along and sound like a bunch of cattle you know yeah they robot people yeah it's the reason why we get we are where we are i think you know this is the reason why we're you've got basically you know two sides that are just uh, two warring factions uh, and, and people are polarized and they just, they just, it doesn't take much to get them riled up and fighting each other. Well, who's, who are the experts or who's more of an expert? My expert's better than your expert, right? My expertise better than your expertise. It's like, well, whatever happened to kind of honoring people's journeys and uh, a freedom and ability to disagree. An expert is anybody that you decide is somebody that you, you, uh, think uh you want to take advice from or that you but you know do your own research yeah i like it that's another thing people don't do well here you know the article is is referencing the fact that you can access the same information that any medical doctor could or does or maybe doesn't but you don't understand it because you're not a scientist that's what they say but i think when it's rooted in common sense if you know basic biological pathways principles etc granted i've taken coursework over the years that may be further along than some people know, but uh, even just private study on this stuff. You know, we talked about James Lyons Weiler, Dr. Jack, and his IPAC group. I mean, he's a PhD. He's trying to bring integrity back into the sciences, and he's established a beautiful, uh, let's say, education program that you can tap into. Is that 25% off deal still going on? I think I we, we showed yesterday. I, I just want to remind folks about that. That's such a, it's such a wonderful thing that it's kind of, I don't like the term democracy, but democratizing access to, you know, to, to real information and then recognizing that we all have the capacity to apply knowledge, you know, maybe in a way that's important and unique to us. But uh, do we have to, you know, bow down? Here it is. The Count Me In mid-August sale, 25% off site-wide. Days. Four days left? Friday. Friday? On the Up until Friday. Okay. Yep. So you can review all of the IPAC offerings. Go to IPAC-EDU.org. And uh, use the code, uh, what is it, count me in, and you get 25% off. Try it. Check it out. Totally cool. IPAC.edu.org slash registration. Stress registration. Okay, good. Y'all check it out. Take advantage of that. Also, uh, take advantage of muscle building. Dude, I'm telling you, this stuff is crazy cool. The super creatine, super D. (laughs) Advanced anabolic activator. And I've been utilizing this for, I don't know, a month or two now. I don't know how, but seriously, dude, it's so impressive. Uh, also, the NRDMG, which I took my uh, lozenges with me on the trip to uh, uh, Des Moines and the Red Pill Expo. We found a great far- farm to table a couple of nights in a row. Um, then we went to another restaurant I wasn't as certain of, so I definitely took a little extra of the NRDMG to counteract any potential exposure and uh, did pretty well, other than being tired from the trip because I didn't sleep as well or as long. But so far, so good. Got a couple of weeks at home before we head out to the Cancer Control Society 48th Annual Convention in um, Glendale, L.A., California. 
And I hope to see you all there. We'll be broadcasting live. I'll be speaking and we'll have probably pouring shots of silver and copper all weekend and have some cardio miracle and more. Uh, Bob Reed's going to be there with the uh, folium. A lot of people really responded well uh, to the folium. And uh, if you haven't picked that up, foliumpx.com, use the code RSB10 to get 10% off when you get it. You can get the folium original, the folium uh, muno, and folium um, uh, relax. This is stuff that got my mom back on the dance floor. I went ahead and he, you know, he's nice. Obviously, I, I promote him. I like him. I want him to succeed because it's that good of a product. But he gave me three and I went, dude, let me buy them because I, I want to support you. And he, like, you know, he gave you the show discount, but that I, I wanted to show him that it's not just me saying it. I value that. So you mean you're not folium. doing this just to get free stuff? No. Oh, shoot. I want I, what? I've been doing it wrong. I've been doing it wrong. Well, that's <laughs> funny because in media, you can get a lot of free stuff, but um, I can get free stuff that's not good, and I'm not going to go, I want everybody to get on this stuff. That's just not, I won't do it. Yeah. The things I believe in you hear about, including Orange Guard. I mean, you guys, it's summer. It's, uh, it's waning summer, but it's still summer. There's a lot of bugs out, and you may be growing stuff, or you might just have them in your house. Don't risk toxic, uh, you know, burdens to your children, your pets, and yourself. We've talked even about miscarriages associated with uh, pesticide exposure. OrangeGuard.com, but I would encourage you to reach out to Whole Foods. Let them know you want Orange Guard. It's in their system. Let them know there's demand for that product, a product that can uh, preclude the need for toxic cancer-causing chemical use at home or around the, uh, the garden. You know, it's an easy way if you, if you aren't intimidated or feel awkward about making phone calls. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are like, you know, how can I, how, how can I support you? I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't make much money. You know, we were like, what can I do to, to support you? Pick up the phone, call Whole Foods and ask them, do you guys carry Orange Guard? See what they say. Mm-hmm. You know, they say no. They say, well, I wish you would because I, I really like to buy it. And I'm looking to, you know, a uh, place to be able to get it. And I'd love to support you guys, you know, or something to that effect. If they do carry it, they say, great, thank you for carrying it because it's a great product. It's just, it's those phone calls. If they get enough of those phone calls, then it's yeah. going to make a difference. And that is one way that you can, you can help support us by supporting uh, uh, our, our buddy Tor over at Orange Guard and, and the work that he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, really good stuff. We got great people that have come out to, to support us, but also to ask <clears throat> for your support. And they're wor very worthy of that support. Uh, so again, thanks for the opportunity to share that. Here's a question. Yeah. It's a good, probably, a, whoops, I don't want to start. I don't want to show uh -huh. it. Yeah. I don't know. I've never had experience in this. What will Orange Guard do to a wasp nest? Well, first thing it's going to do is probably going to piss off a bunch of wasps. So yeah. you probably want to be careful. I've done this, by the way. Now, it also depends on how big it is. Right. Right. So I've done this and I've, it's like spray and pray, that kind of thing, but it's it's, <laughs> it's spray and run because yeah. you're going to have an ability to knock that thing out, but they're going to be angry in the moment, and if they target you, you just want to have an escape route planned. And you've got uh, to make sure you turn it on the right, the right uh, setting. Uh, setting. Yeah. I can tell you, back in the day, mm -hmm. this goes to show you that, that uh, if you use something like uh, 409 mm -hmm. or, you know, some kind of all-purpose cleaner. cleaner right or something like that, and you use that on wasps, it'll kill the wasps. Great. Yeah. If you have that kind of stuff around the house. Now, Orange Guard, I've never used Orange Guard on wasps. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, the That's a good question. The delimiting basically suffocates them over time. Okay. I don't know how fast it would be. Put it on stream, not on spray. 
Yeah. 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 You definitely want to soak it. Uh, yeah. That's important. Yeah. But yeah, it, it can't help. But as I said, they are going to, it's not like an instant, like a fire, you know, you, where you burn them with a fire, but of course you burn your house down. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there are ways <laughs> to do it. It will work. And uh, if you get them when they're quiet or perhaps at night, you know, you can spray it and just let it soak in overnight. Eventually they'll figure out that's not their home anymore and they'll have to find another home. The wasp nest, you know, they're made out of wasp spit basically. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once you spray them with something, they, they soak up pretty quick. Uh, mm-hmm. if you douse it really good, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a thing, if you get them, you know, you'll usually in the wasp nest, you've got a bunch of them that are actually in the nest. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you spray it really good. It, you make it so they can't really fly. And then they just kind of walk around and they fall off and they die. So I, mm-hmm. as you know, I am not a, a fan of, of stinging insects. I, yeah. I just, I think of you every time I stick my head in the mint, uh, <laughs> uh, patch because the mint goes up and they have these like little tiny flowers that peak at the top. Uh, and I love it because every year it brings hundreds, if not thousands of buzzing yeah. insect bees. And, and well, <clears throat> I think of you when I lean my head into it and I just enjoy the symphony of sounds, but I do think you're of you crazy, also, but I also you do think, what? what you stick your head in the middle of the bees. Yeah. And I just love the symphony <laughs> that they do. But, I, but also don't laugh. The thing is not only do you do stick I, your head in an alligator's mouth too. No, that's a whole different story. Is this like a circus or something? No, I just love the sound. It's like a very, it's like a spiritual thing. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but the sound is wonderful. And, and the thing is super Don, I don't only think of you. I think of me as a kid because I like you was very frightened of stinging insects, bees. Now, wasps tend to be a little bit more aggressive than bees, but still, bees really, they don't mess with you when you're bringing an energy that is like, I'm not interested in you. I know, I know. You just got to get over it. But they, Le- Leslie's kind of crazy like you too. Yeah, we were there at Leslie's I love place. the humming of bees. Yeah, it's amazing. It's <clears> I'll be honest with Leslie's you. Story. I'll be honest with you. What, what, what? I've had a change of heart to a certain degree. I still don't like them buzzing around me, and so yeah. I'll you know get get out of here, bee. Okay, type thing like that. But I have not killed a bee uh, in in a while now. Ever mm-hmm. since I started gardening, nice because it was just kind of like, all right, listen, this stuff's not going to grow unless I let the bees come around and pollinate the flowers, mm-hmm. right? And so was, I, I've become a little bit more. I don't Tolerant? know what would, you, what would you say, more of a uh, wuss. Tolerant. No um, wuss. No, when it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, th- it's a step in the right direction because I don't for, kill them now. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I, that's the yeah. transition state, Superdon, yes, yes. and I recognize it in my own journey. And though I, I never had anaphylaxis, now people that are deathly afraid due to anaphylaxis, they could die from a sting. I, un- I do. That fear is is legit. I'm not dismissing it. But if it's just the pain of a bee sting, which is not fun, but still, it's not deadly for the most part. Um, Getting past it when you realize they're they're not interested in sacrificing their own lives just because they see you. Oh, I know. If they, if they don't know. feel you're a threat, now if right. they feel you're a threat, that's a different story. So. And sometimes it's you know it's just a it's a misunderstanding. But how do you explain that to a bee? I don't know. You, yeah. just, you can't really. Mark yeah. Solo says you have to learn that the bees are your friends. Yes. Now here's a question. What? How about spiders? Well, give them a wide berth too, but. <laughs> I don't think. No, I've know, seen people that can hold tarantulas in their hand. Have you ever done yeah, that? Yeah, screw that. But <laughs> I, I'm talking about like household spiders right. and stuff like that. You know, if I, if I, yes, I know Leslie, spiders are her friends too. But yeah, I don't want them running around in my house. You know, yeah. and so, you know, it's, it's funny. The other day, uh, 
Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. So yeah, the other day I, uh, I was in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, and we are, we live in an area. It's like, it's an industrial area, but it's zoned that you can put homes in it too. Mm-hmm. So there's like fields and stuff like that. So we get mice, you know, every once in a while and, and the gnats and the bugs and the spiders and stuff and like that. And, um, it, yeah, so it's a challenge, is it which is the reason why too? I like the orange guard. What's that? Is it agricultural too, where you are? No, it's no, it's just, it's just yeah. You have like you know wrecking yards and and mm-hmm. asphalt plants and you know and I mean it's you know and there's like this one section here that they they zoned where you could put houses, but it's industrial land, right? Mm-hmm. So you know every once in a while I come across a spider. Now if it's in a place where it's like okay, you're not really easy to see, and you're probably helping out with all the other gnats and stuff that you know fly in the door when I come in the door, you know, so I might be like okay, fine. But you know what? It's like the other day I, I saw a, a spider in the shower. <laughs> and I was like, you know, did, don't they have like a spider handbook or something where it's like, you know, there are certain places you just do not want to hang out and build a web. If you do it in the shower, you're guaranteed to die. Well, the thing You're going to die because who's going to take a shower yeah. looking up at a dang spider in the shower with you? You know, that's just like, that's a no zone there. Calls into question, how often do you shower if the spiders are building their webs there? Spiders build webs pretty quick, dude. Okay, all right. They do. Teasing, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, look, there's there's unpleasantness associated with spiders because they are not as discriminate as bees in terms of threats. If you're messing with them. Yeah, but still, you know, I mean, it's just, you you don't, spider in the shower. All right, you orange guard You didn't get them. the memo. Orange yeah. guard them if you don't like them, don't want them. You don't have to squish them, orange guard them. I've done that too. Do you, do you kill spiders when you find them? Yeah, or do you, inside certain areas, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah. Leslie, yeah, I think it. I think Leslie was saying that she takes a, spider, uh, a shower with spiders. She does. I think so. I don't want to know. All right, yeah. uh, talk to James about that. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, we have... Uh, conspiratorial talk super don uh i i mean this in real time like we talked about a little bit and not in depth about the maui stuff right the the fact that we want you to use critical thinking skills to not immediately assume or go it's definitely a directed energy weapon kind of thing and and i'm not i'm of the mindset that yeah is it possible yes and you said that possibility versus probability you might lean less on the probability but possibility because we know there are patents associated with the technology. It's not like it doesn't exist. Some would argue, well, maybe that's science fiction future, but what we really find out through DARPA and other means that they've had these technologies and you learn about them 20, 30, 40 years later. Um, and, and there are very strange things going on in Hawaii in terms of taking property. How do we take property cheaply because we want to set up. A, okay. A now that, field. yes, right. that, and that's yeah. verified. Okay. Yeah. That, that is something there are people scrupulous. Yes. Uh, individuals that are trying to buy up people's land um, that's been destroyed to try and get a bargain because, you know, let's face it, uh, it's a really bad situation right now, but the property values in Hawaii will go back up, mm-hmm. um, you know, on, on this land. So there are people that are trying to do that, and that's that's messed up. Yeah, but the thing is, some would argue that there are people that are so unscrupulous on this planet or above it that they would be not beyond purposefully damaging and injuring and even killing people to be able to take property. Then that's the history of, of the humanity. All right. That's not a nice yeah. thought. There's no way to again, prove that. No, but there, the, the, the reality is it exists. People like that exist. It's not nice. 
Uh, but we talk about child trafficking. There are people that do that, too. Mm-hmm. Not something we would ever do, but that happens. So you can't say it's uh, automatically not there. But, yeah, I, we, we like evidence and proof, and we go, let's follow it all the way down the line. Now, I, I didn't mean to bring that up so we would uh, belabor or discuss it. That's not the point of that. But I, I just wanted to bring it up in relation to this next story about heart attack hospitalizations at record levels since the pandemic. We, of course, were pointing out the relationship of cardiomyopathies and different things like that, uh, carditis, myocarditis, pericarditis, things like that, uh, specifically related to the COVID injections. And yet we were considered conspiratorial theorists, if you will. Uh, we were banned. We were all of the, all the things that, that would happen. Um, did we have abject proof or do we have abject proof that all heart attacks since COVID came on the scene are caused by the, the COVID jabs? No. That's not something I would say, but the preponderance or the amount, the numbers that are occurring, clearly this story tells a story that is coming from within the mainstream so-called science, acknowledging that there are record numbers of hospitalizations and even deaths due to heart attack events. Now, the question is, do they then say, well, that's long COVID, it's all COVID, whatever now we know is an engineered thing, not a naturally occurring phenomenon, uh, versus what we would say it's largely due to the you know direct yet adverse events that happen due to COVID injections. And so if we were to say, as I did and do, Super Don, that I think it's largely due to the you know COVID-19 injections, even I talked about my uh, one of my best friends, his daughter visiting from England who got like three Pfizer shots on the on the skating rink, suddenly felt a heavy heart, never had that in her life till afterwards. I think it's reasonable to start there, as Peter McCullough, the cardiologist, says, start there and disprove that, as opposed to, we don't know what it is, and it's not likely that, prove it. Yeah, there's two two schools of thought on that, mm-hmm. you know? Some people believe that you make the statement and then prove me wrong. Yeah. Then the other side says, you know, I make the uh, the, the the statement and prove me right, you know? Um Based on what is who is who holds the onus on that, right? Yeah, um, that's a debate that will never end, that's been going on for for millennia. So, um, for me, you know, the the way I see it, and I look at both sides always, yeah, always look at both sides. Uh, and you're right, there are some people that would say, well, that's because COVID Mm -hmm. uh, causes heart damage it can cause heart damage now if you then the next step you take is well COVID's not real and it was engineered well now you've completely like forked off i mean you're you're in two different places where there's no way that those two people are right. going to be able to even have a discussion but don't so, you have to define your terms when you're having a discussion huh you have to define your terms you know like if i suppose yeah it, you ask the question well Tell me what you perceive COVID to be. And then they say, oh, well, it was a naturally occurring virus. Da, da, da. They would like, say, yeah, they would, would say that the heart damage from COVID is something that they have proof of. Right. So the question is, at this point, anybody that claims this was a naturally occurring, quote unquote, virus, uh, I think they're they're having to defend their position more than I have to prove that, you know, the, the track of. This. Well, you have to defend your position, too. So then it comes sure. down to what is your evidence versus their evidence. Mm-hmm. And then you get to compare evidence with each other. And, and you know, 12 hours later, you, you won't end up agreeing. But right. what, what I would say is I would like to see the study mm-hmm. where they would take people who had COVID or, you know, symptoms of COVID, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I had symptoms of COVID mm-hmm. um, and uh, 
break them off into two groups. People who had COVID that didn't get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. People who had COVID that did get the vaccine. Are you thinking that hasn't been analyzed? I know they're not going to do the study. Show me the study and then we'll talk. I don't have that in front of me, mm-hmm. but I would like to see a study where you have specifically had COVID, no vaccine, mm-hmm. had COVID, did have the vaccine. Right. And then compare those people as far as the heart attacks go. Yeah. Because unless you have that, then all it is is you. he said, she said. Yes, but the preponderance of the evidence, even from an anecdotal perspective, and this is where we get into that Steve Kirsch discussion, where you know they're not going to do the study. They won't fund the study. They won't provide the data for the study because right. you have to believe that they're concerned about what might be revealed. What do you have next? You have basic self-reporting, self-analysis saying, here's the question Super Don asked, and Steve Kirsch has gone out and done this. I'm not saying it's a definitive response, but sure. it's it's very plausible until you come and go, well, this is the explanation for it. The problem that otherwise. you've got with that, though, Robert, and you know, look, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, on, on the debate stage, mm-hmm. there are certain things that, that you know, if we're going to talk science, yeah. uh, there are certain certain rules that have already been written. Okay. That they violate the same, you know, well, what I'm saying, where I'm going with this is that there is no way, no, no way that you are ever going to go into that debate with only anecdotal evidence and walk away the victor in the debate because it's anecdotal evidence. And in, in, in science, anecdotal is not good enough. It it, it never has been. It's the starting point. It's the start. You're right. Yeah. And, and You're right, from, but, but that's all there, we've got at this point. But if you have nothing else but that, and they're not willing to engage you and show the opposite other than to say it's safe and effective, but where are the studies on their side to say so? They haven't done them. And in fact, everything that we've talked about in terms of myocarditis and pericarditis now has come out, and it came out really early on in the analysis and the studies that were rushed into being to get the EUA on these shots. Sure. They but specifically talking about the heart attack situation, yes, which is they, what we're they, talking about. It's right. it's until they, are, they do that study. No, no, Super Don, you missed my point. That they were already showing evidence of cardiac injury, damage, and attack in the preliminary studies associated with the shots. That came right. from the drug companies themselves. Okay. So you have more than just anecdote. You also have their data that has come out. You know, the stuff they didn't sure. want to release for 75 sure. years. Yeah, the myocarditis and then right. all that stuff. I agree with you on that. I so, agree with you on that. But in this particular case with the number of people that are having the heart attacks, unless sure. you break that break group of people down you so that you can show a clear cause yeah. and effect, yep. you know. Well, and it could be done. The thing is, with the data, they could go in and it ask won't the be done, though. And that's that's done. to your right. point. Yes. it won't be done because mm-hmm. yeah. the system is gamed. It, yeah. it, it, you know, the rules have been written, and and in order to be able to have, make have that that study done, mm-hmm. who's gonna who's gonna put up the millions of dollars that it would take in order to do that study in a way that would it would pass all you know jump through all the right. hoops that it needs to. For, for it to go, see, we told you so. Who's going to so fund got, that? you got a guy like Kirsch asking questions, doing surveys, and saying, look, until you got something better, this is what we got. Right. And yet they discredit him now as an anti-vaxxer because what? He, he's, he got all the vaccines, believed in the COVID shots, everything, and then changed his mind. And now he's persona non grata in that realm where he used to operate as a high-level you know, tech billionaire or millionaire or so, whatever it was. So it's, it's fascinating if you believe differently than the club you used to be in, you're out of the club, and now, therefore, anything you say is discredited. We can't even acknowledge if it's a legitimate survey. We have to just dismiss the messenger. Could you imagine how cool it would be to be a Steve Kirsch, right? Mm-hmm. And just have all this money, just be like, hey, 
I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if you do this or whatever, right? I yeah. mean, to, to to be on that level Defer- and to be able to do those kinds of things would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? All I got are freeze dried apricots. Apricots. I'll give yeah. you a bag of apricots if yeah. you'll debate me. Right. <laughs> How about that? Well, I'll show you pictures tomorrow, <clears throat> Leslie. You have to approve them first because I know you just sent them to me by text, so I'm not going to put them up. But uh, if you guys, when you get the apricots, I love the fact that they're pictures of smiling, happy people eating the freeze dried organic quality RSB show apricots. And uh, Super Don's got to gather the the uh, addresses of folks that won them, that partook in the contest, right? That called into our toll-free number and left messages. So I'm still awaiting where to send those apricots. Uh, and by the way, John Richardson, we talked apricots on, uh, I think it was, was it Sunday? It was yesterday, Monday show. Uh, and talked about you have access to the RSB code to get 10% off apricot uh, kernels or seeds for the Laetrile content. And that's available there as well. Uh, look what I got up today. Ooh, look at that. More Cucumbers to be pickles, maybe more tomatoes. Be going to be the third round of making pickles. Uh, wow! Again, so Dude, I've got awesome. your jar has its has a, has it has so uh, your name on it. I am so excited. Yeah, thank your wife for me. Yes. So uh, I've been uh, out there in the garden and I've been eating and not taking pictures of stuff. Eating <laughs> broccoli right off the stalk. Yeah. Uh, the blackberries are the most delicious, sweet, juicy blackberries. I'm like not even collecting them. Although my wife and daughter probably collected them while I was out of town and froze them or freeze dry. I don't know, but uh, I've got that. That's just going right in. It's like get in my belly. Yep. Now let's talk uh, something else in terms of misinformation and medical misinformation. YouTube announces new policies to target medical misinformation. Does that mean they acknowledge we were right and we have our YouTube channel back, Super Don? No, they're doubling down, apparently. Gosh, darn. Uh, they just haven't censored enough. And That's so it. now they're. Enough. Okay. They are, uh, let's see, what is it they said here? They're going to be. They've got this thing. I, I should have marked it here. But basically, mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're going to go after medical misinformation and they're going to use three categories okay. prevention, treatment, and denial. denial. Wow. Uh, Talk about a platform that's going the wrong direction. Why is Rumble growing like crazy? Uh, yeah, really. I mean, no kidding, huh? Yeah. Now they're they're using the same litmus test here. Yeah. Uh, the new policies will apply to specific health conditions, treatments, and substances where content contradicts local health authorities or the World Health Organization. Despite the fact that local health authorities and the World Health Organization have been wrong more than they've been right during COVID. So clearly it's not a platform for us. We've been banned and they're not going to bring us back. It's great for cat videos. Yeah. Concert footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, music. Yeah. Um, silly stuff. And other things that are you know, maybe entertaining or in- informative. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I so don't know. Ty Bollinger. Uh, let's see who else. Mike Adams. We're not going to get back on YouTube. None of us are going to no. Yeah. Oh, well. So there's their new uh, thing. Okay. Maybe they're suffering from dementia because they're on, all on Prilosec or Nexium. Have you heard me say this over the years, Super Don? Taking mm. those uh, proton pump inhibiting drugs or antacids, black, blocking the stomach acid production is a disaster. It will lead to, and fill in the blanks what it will lead to, cancer, I mentioned, but neurological degradation disease as well. And the dementia risk now, according to about lawsuits is referencing this, uh, is linked to the use of Nexium, Prilosec, and similar heartburn drugs. Findings come as some manufacturers of Nexium 
Uh, Prilosec and similar heartburn drugs face a growing number of lawsuits over kidney damage. Kidney damage. Again, mm -hmm. more, more damage to the kidneys. And all of this is all the more reason why you need to be eating clean, organic foods. You need to be supplementing selenium. You need the cardio miracle. Why? Because blood flow to the kidneys is essential to keep them, you know, functioning. And you're, you're blocking so much of structural integrity because you're blocking the breakdown of certain proteins that, uh, you know, pass through the stomach acid, for instance. It's part of the process. And so um, imagine if Superdon, a dietary supplement, an amino acid sold in a health food store, uh, an herbal product sold in a, it was linked long-term use to dementia. Let's just say, uh, hey, remember... Um, what was the uh, thing that was often promoted for brain? I'm just thinking of uh, a botanical pl a plant that was used for warding off dementia and Alzheimer's. And I can't think of the name because I probably already have it. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's just say, just name it. You know, if echinacea was linked long term to uh, uh, dementia. Would there be a day more that you think it would exist in a health food store, or would there be congressional there'd hearings? Be, there'd be they'd be coming after it. Congress people yeah. probably uh, introducing legislation to ban it. Mm -hmm. So they're acknowledging PPI dementia risks, and of course, people are suing based on damage and injury. The thing is, because the FDA approves, it doesn't mean it's safe. Quite the opposite; it often means that there have been a payoff. There have been a conflict of interest in the in the research. The, the drug company submitted it. And the FDA blindly approved it because somebody at the FDA said, hey, I want, a, I want a good job when I leave FDA. It's a blockbuster drug. Yeah. Right? And so we're back to the same circular reasoning of it's good because the FDA says it's good. And the FDA says, well, the science was done. We reviewed it and said it was good. And then you find out the conflicts of interest within the regulatory agencies that are owned and controlled very often by these manufacturers went ahead and put them on out there. While dietary supplement manufacturers have no capacity, monetarily or otherwise, to influence FDA, uh, I would say worker bees, but higher ups, they can't offer them seven figure, 10 figure, whatever ridiculous jobs when they leave FDA. So there's a, an inherent bias to protect the medical monopoly, the pharmaceutical monopoly on the treatment of disease. As we talked about earlier with Jonathan E. Mord, if he gets in the U.S. Senate or say when he gets in the U.S. Senate, things start to shift that he will uh, begin to eloquently provide reason that is not even present with the, the likes of Rand Paul and others that are there that are trying to do some good things. But with the help of Jonathan E. Ward, they can really beat back and eliminate some of the oligarchy out there, like FDA, like other agencies that don't belong constitutionally at all. And I would look at uh, even beyond that and say, uh, if we could uh, displace the the current so-called president, the puppet, whatever he is, and find somebody else in there, it would help at that level. But at the same time, remember to nullify at the personal level and at the state level, put more people in place locally that would push back on unconstitutional federal mandates or prohibitions. The first state that would declare itself a health freedom state and kick the FDA out on its aspirin would become such an economically uh, bountiful state as medical tourism would would not go as, as frequently to Mexico or Thailand or other areas of the world and would stay here or come here to one state that declared itself an FDA-free zone. Yes, free of the limitations of an agency that is so corrupt 
And you don't know where the pharmaceutical industry ends and it begins and vice versa. So with that, let's take a pause here. Super Don, thanks for uh, bringing the, the great stories to cover here on the Robert Scott Bell Show today. Thanks to Jonathan Emord for appearing 24 hours earlier than normal. Uh, maybe giving you guys and gals that normally don't hear him if you don't listen to the Thursday show, a surprise for Wednesday. Tomorrow, I don't know if we're wide open, but we could have exciting things we'll talk about when we come back for the bonus round of the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you want to stick around 60 seconds from now, we'll be right back because the power to heal is yours. Well, my wife came through again. She texted me. She's right. The word I was looking for was the botanical, the plant. Ginkgo biloba. Ginkgo. Hey, yeah. Mara Gabriel over on Rumble got that. Yeah. All right. Nicely done. I couldn't. 10,000 bonus points. I had for a Mara blank Gabriel. on it. And that was what I, I saw. The I had the, 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 the leaf, the exact shape in my mind. It was right there, but I just couldn't access the name at the moment. Sorry about that. But thank you, honey. And thank you on Rumble for knowing that. Uh, but yeah, imagine if ginkgo was associated with uh, dementia. And it is in the reverse way. It can help okay. facilitate micropore capilla capillary micro capillary circulation, as well as Cardiomiracle facilitates that with nitric oxide production, as well as selenium and copper, uh, magnesium. And we had a magnesium question we didn't get to. Uh, is it okay to do it in the bonus round here? Sure. This was from Joan. Joan. What does it say? Thank you, Robert. Uh, what's she thanking you for? I don't know. I didn't answer Just the question. starts off with thank you. All right. Wow. Okay, uh, you. When you were talking with Dr. Brian Artis, the subject of magnesium came up briefly. Would you elaborate on magnesium? I believe he said that Dr. Batar used it in IVs. He didn't seem to agree with him on that. Maybe no. suggest type, dose, etc. I have a problem with most magnesiums giving me loose stools. Yeah. Well, I will say this. We talked about it again with Brian Artis on, I think it aired on Monday's show. There was a, a specific reason due to, if you acknowledge more and more of the scientific uh, papers that are coming out that Brian is bringing out, Dr. Artis is bringing out, related to what they call the snake venom peptides uh, within big pharma, how they alter, you know, the synthetic uh, chemicals. In fact, you know, all the blood pressure medications relate to uh, pep these peptides, right? Uh, we know that a lot of snake venoms have an impact on the circulatory, the vascular system, et cetera. Uh, so, what they found now is with the plasmid structures that they have engineered the certain genetic sequences into, and that was some of the missing components when we first started talking with Brian Artisan, why a number of doctors were like, I'm not sure about this, and it sounds kind of wacky and crazy. But remember, you have to maintain an open mind. Is it plausible? Is it possible? Maybe you argue it's not probable, but it's turning out to look to me, Super Don, as more probable by the day based on more information coming in to fill in some of the blanks or gaps we didn't have. We're like, I'm just, there's a leap here. I'm not sure. And we're seeing that. So what's happening is that the argument of these synthetics that are, you know, made, you know, artificially by the pharmaceutical industry, you know, some arguably to be drugs to manage disease are basically analogs of things in nature that could be poisoning to you and harmful to you. But utilized improperly, they could be harmful to you even in lower quantity dosages. And so in this case, what the argument is, and Superdon, see if you could follow me here, is that magnesium, specific to what they call the nicotinic receptors, remember we talked about, and Dr. Artis and others have talked about the weirdness of how certain smokers were less vulnerable in the presence of COVID. They seem to have fewer heart or other events, which doesn't make sense. But the argument is when you know these pathways of how the nicotinic receptors, of course, respond to nicotine, that the magnesium 
tends to open up those pathways for the snake venoms or the peptides to disrupt you know, normal or optimal metabolic functions of the cells that would create the poisoning impact of a snake venom, for instance. So having nicotinic receptors being supported with nicotine, which, by the way, is not the addictive component of a cigarette. Let me say that again. Nicotine, despite what you've heard, is not the addictive component of a cigarette. In fact, of tobacco itself, if it was just tobacco. We've talked as well about this, Super Don, you having, you having been a smoker for a lot of your life, that the commercial cigarettes are very little in terms of total content of tobacco and very much hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other chemical compounds, including suspicious substances, some validated, some not, within the papers, the commercial papers that they wrap them in through the, you know, the factory settings. Uh, but basically, the nicotine seems to support a particular receptor that is vulnerable in the presence of magnesium. And when magnesium is not there, it's not as vulnerable. So the delivery of those poisons or venoms is not possible or much less possible when you have those nicotinic receptors being filled with nicotine instead of magnesium. Okay? So far, does that, does that anything I say make sense? You don't have to believe it, but again, in biological pathways. Sure. Yeah, I can, I can uh, accept that. So with the question, put the question back up again uh, from, uh, let's see, Joan. Joan. Yeah. Uh, she was asking about the magnesium subject, and this is what we speculated on with Dr. Batar because he was also known as Dr. Magnesium in his early medical school, not school, but doctor years, where he was in ERs, and, you know, he would be the magnesium guy because he'd almost give everybody an IV of magnesium, and they would do so much better than anything else that they would try to throw at these patients in, in ERs, including drugs, or especially drugs. So Dr. Batar had a built-in strong bias with his experience of the benefits of magnesium, and I don't dispute the benefits of magnesium. But in, again, one specific circumstance we're discussing here, that magnesium arguably becomes problematic and not helpful. And that's, again, addressing the nicotinic receptors, the pathways specific to influence of venoms or peptide, you know, peptides of, the, of those venoms. You don't have to believe that this is what's happening, but just an explanation, a plausible explanation of pathways and the destruction that happens when certain things occur or don't occur and vice versa, the benefits when they do or don't occur. So I don't think that's so controversial. Now, you still could argue the belief of whether uh, COVID is manufactured snake venom peptides. That could still be a point of discussion. But specific to this issue, if you see benefit by coming off of magnesium for a couple of weeks even and fulfilling the nicotinic receptors, he would argue with the nicotine patch, which is delivering it at a pace, that you might see some level of protection while these venoms or poisons are surging through your body. And arguably what the manufacturing code is in terms of mRNA to tell your DNA to protein synthesize these specific peptides as the spike protein. So they're toxic. You've heard it. They're toxic proteins. They're toxic poison proteins. So now we go, all right, what are they? What are they made of? What is the genetic material? And what Brian, Dr. Artis did at the Red Pill Expo is reveal information associated with these so-called plasmids that they engineer and drop the sequence into the plasmid. And that was a missing link in terms of explanation for a lot of the doctors and scientists who couldn't follow along or buy into what Dr. Artis was saying. And we kind of made fun, not really of doctors, but it's upsetting to them that a doctor of chiropractic has to point this out much less a homeopath like me that talks about science stuff that they go, well, you're a homeopath. How do you know this stuff? You shouldn't know this stuff. You're not one of us. Like, it's because I'm not one of you guys 
is, is why I can know this stuff. I've not been prohibited from considering it, much less investigating it, reviewing it, and pondering on it and going, oh, what, are, what is the plausibility as opposed to dismissing any controversial uh, possibility as impossible because it doesn't fit your preconceived notions or what you're paid not to see. Pause. I pause at that. Take a sip of tea. All right. Good now, pause. Okay, now I can go back to Joan <clears throat> and your question about magnesium. Because mm -hmm. she said she has problems with magnesium uh, for bowel tolerance. She says, I have a problem with most magnesium. Give me loose stools. So I still utilize. Isn't that the dose? Well, it is. Usually, it's, also, it's, like it's also the form. But yes, it's, it is yeah. dose dependent. You can take a little bit of magnesium, even if it's not the great form that I would say you would want to take. And you can take a little and not have that. Take a little bit more and you can get a loose stool. Now, the form that I still utilize is Mega Food brand magnesium. I'm not brand loyal. There you go. It's about specific within that brand. That form of magnesium is a whole food form, and it was introduced to us by our good friend Chris Barr. Innate Response used to have it too, the same manufacturer, but they've now used some synthetic magnesium and added to it to get a higher dose. Looks like doctors. it comes from organic spinach. Yeah. So it's a good form of magnesium. I take one or two tablets at night, one or two tablets in the morning. And I don't know, Super Don, it's how you 50 milligrams it. per tablet. Yeah, it's not a lot. But even taking two in the morning and two at night, I'm not having any, quote unquote, loose tools, no bowel intolerance. But I, I will say that it will help with those of you who have harder stools that are difficult to pass. It will help to soften it up. <coughs> but you can use other forms of magnesium. I'm not saying that they, there are no benefit to the other forms. I'm just saying this is the form I defer to primarily. And there are topical forms for uh, cutaneous or, uh, absorption through the skin. You can take magnesium salt baths and get some benefit as well. But in terms of oral use, I would say, Joan, if you get the mega food magnesium from Jonathan at choosetobehealthy.com, and when you check out whether you get that and other things from Jonathan, he carries the Sovereign Silver, the Sovereign Copper, he carries the Argentin, he carries all the whole food uh, brands we use. Uh, you can use the code RSB5 on uh, um, checkout when you check out, and that'll give you a little discount when you're done. And uh, Mega Food Magnesium is what I use. One or two tablets at night, one or two tablets in the morning. So first thing and last thing. That's my daily journey. And you'll find that it probably will not result in bowel intolerance, and you can determine how much you need based on that too. I'm sure you could take enough of the whole food variety to get there, but it would probably take a lot more. But nothing's wasted with the whole food form versus other forms. All right. So, thank you, Joan, for that question. It was very good. So how about a bonus question here? We got a few minutes, we have right? a bonus question? I got an email mm -hmm. uh, four hours ago. Okay. From Esther. Esther says, and this is addressed to you. I can't imagine it was addressed to me. Okay. Uh, can you share with me the name slash price of this homeopathic remedy for personal use? And in the, the subject line... It says homeopathy urine therapy. Oh. Is there such a thing? Well, homeopathic remember, urine therapy? Dude, you remember me talking about, you know, people that are unwilling to use their own urine, right? For various reasons. <laughs> I, I, not, right? Uh, reason number reasons. one, yeah. it's urine. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> for those of you who don't like discussing this, you can tune out right now, but... Remember I said also, if you recognize the principle of law of similars or like cures like, that if you converted the urine from you specifically, 
into a homeopathic form through serial dilution and succussion, then it, you know, you go, let's say it's 10 X, that's one part per 10 billion of urine. You'll get probably more of that in a swimming pool, you know, just swimming in a pool. All right. That's somebody else's urine, not to be grossy. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying from the standpoint of quantitatively, if you're concerned that urine is toxic, others have argued it's not, but let's just say you have that perspective at one part per 10 billion of your own urine converted into homeopathic form. It is not toxic. Again, I, I'm not getting in the argument whether it is or is at any level. I'm just it's energy. Right. Well, yeah, but you also have at one part per 10 billion measurable quantities. They call it nanopharmacology of the original substance or substances that are in your urine. And in that way, by introducing it, you know, in that way, it takes the ick factor out of it for the most part. And then you'll understand that if there's a signal coming out of you that you could argue could be beneficial, taking it homeopathically is an option for those that might say, hey, I like what I'm hearing about people doing urine therapy. It seems to be helping them. I can't argue that, but it's still, I can't do it. Can't do it. Homeopathically now, it's not as the questioner. What's the name of the questioner in this case? Esther. Esther. So it's not Esther about you going to the store or to a homeopath and buying somebody else's urine in homeopathic form. It's about you <clears throat> making it yourself. And yeah, you might be like, I'm not a scientist. I don't know what to do. I'm not telling you it's going to be an officially sanctioned homeopathic pharmacopoeia remedy, but the same basic principle uh, uh, applies. Even the Korsakovian method, we talked about the Russian general who was a homeopath who utilized uh, basically the same beaker to make his homeopathic remedies in the field because he didn't have a laboratory. And he would use what's known as a cohesion tension theory. Uh, that is the water that was left uh, sticking to the outer walls of a container would be what is used for the next potency. In other words, you take whatever that original starter in liquid form, vigorously shake it, dump it out, add more water to it, and shake it again. Every time you have the various potencies of each one that's left over, when you dump it out, there's still some of the liquid sticking to the walls of the glass. And that's the K, Korsakovian method. And you go that 200 times, you have a 200K. You don't have a specific single potency. It's a mixture of many because it's kind of altered each time what's left in the glass. And then that way you could do a very simple method of, you know, get a beaker and a test tube. You can buy those at, you know, science stores or even God, your arm get tired after a while, wouldn't it? True. I mean, yeah, you, you shake it vigorously, take but let's two hundred times? No, do a hundred times. A hundred times. Even a hundred times. Okay, stand by. Pause here. A hundred times shaking, but do that ten times. In other words, a shake thousand. it a hundred times the urine, dump it out, put water in it, clean water of course, water alcohol if you want, but shake that, dump it out. That's two times. Now do it again. Fill it up with more water. Third time, that's 3K or K3. Do that a series of 10 times. you got a 10K, okay? You've got a homeopathic remedy. You don't know what potency it is. It's a mix of everything. But now you clearly, 10 times removed, you have far less than one part per 10 billion at that point because it's not an X-fold, 10-fold step. It's not a 10 to 1 ratio or nine parts to one part. So you have the ability to make it yourself at home. And again, I'm not telling you to do it or not to do it. I'm just saying you can do it. And then you end up taking that as a remedy. At the end stage, you typically would add like an alcohol to preserve it. Or maybe you can mix a lot of silver in it to preserve it so you can utilize it and won't go bad if you want to use a dropper or spray. Spray a little in your mouth. You're not going to taste urine. It's not going to look like urine. It'll look like clear water. And yet you have the energy signatures of whatever you urinated out coming back in in a homeopathic form. How's that for a cool thing for Esther? Right? She could do it herself. So she was asking for the price and name. So mm -hmm. you were you referred to doing it yourself. 
Yeah. So what's the price of a beaker with a stopper that you can do this in? Buy a bottle of, you know, use a bottle so of stopper. Not, not to belabor the, the, yeah. the, the point here, the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> are you suggesting that the only uh, good urine yeah. that will benefit you would be your own, that uh, urine from somebody else uh, would not have a positive uh, effect? All I'm on- saying is it wouldn't be specific to your needs. It might have a beneficial effect because there might be something in common that you could benefit by from somebody else's. I don't know. Because you were saying like, the uh, what were you saying, like a signal or something? Or? Yeah, the, spe- the specific contents of your own converted into a homeopathic form is unique to you and your needs as opposed to So it to has to be unique to you. So I would argue Because I know be I have seen, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. as I was looking into this long ago when it was first brought up, mm-hmm. uh, that there are some people that um, are under the impression that it's it's... Uh, not just your own that is beneficial. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. so. No, I mean, okay. All right. look, I don't argue that possibility. I'm just saying specifically for your needs, that would be ideal. Right. So when she's asking a price, so this yeah. would be for her to uh, to do do it yeah. herself. Yeah, I, I don't have a... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a beaker and and I guess what like is there like a particular type of water that she would want to use? Well, uh, the purest water you can find, right? You know, okay. if it's you can filter it, you can get like you know the echo water. You can use that, anything like that. That would be great. But uh, you know, distilled water that's carried in plastic bottles. I'm not a big fan of. You can just, taste yeah. the plastic, right? So cleanest water you can you can possibly have. And at the end stage, you can preserve it with some alcohol or some silver or something in it that keeps it from if you're going to have it for a while and reuse it that it would be less likely to be contaminated by other bacterial sources or other things like that because it's not so much the actual content of of the liquid itself it's the energy that comes along with it and that would not be affected by killing bacteria or something that happened to be in it yeah correct all right see i can yeah i can i can you can you can roll with it I can Nicely done. See what you're talking even, about. Even Super Don could do that kind of. I wouldn't therapy. do it, but see if it were me, I would just say, see, I still have this little piece of paper that I wrote coffee enema on. Yeah, so you're. I'll just write urine therapy day. on that, and I'd have coffee enema and urine therapy all in the same day, dude. You know, and who right? was it that complained that we did? Don't talk about this in case their a new friend is listening to the show, and they're all going to be grossed out. Um, who was that? It was Lorelai, I think. Oh, Lorelai. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Lorelai. I love you. And I'm sorry. You. Yeah. Just tell them not to listen to the bonus round today. You'll be okay. <laughs> hey, do we have a, a meeting with Anna in 15 minutes? You know, I just got a, a, a text uh, we're asking about if we're on for 4.30. Wednesday. It is Wednesday, so yeah. I suppose we, we probably should. Okay. Let's do it. So anybody else? Uh, are we uh, caught up now? Oh, no. Is this what, what I think it is? What is it? I think we just got a Dear John letter from uh, Bolden. What? Uh, let's see here. Heads up, guys. I unfortunately have a scheduling conflict on Friday oh, and won't be available to do the show. I might be back by bonus round and we'll jump on for that if I can. Yeah. A scheduling you know, we, conflict. We know where uh, we rank. You had a whole two weeks to schedule around your right? show, your <laughs> appearance you. on the show. Exactly. And yeah. Better be important. Right. Here, Steve backs me up on the nicotine not being addictive. Nicotine is not addictive. Uh, pyrazine chemical added to tobacco products is addictive. Worldwide governments are restricting access to nicotine products because it binds to 
our nicotine receptors found in all our cells, thus releasing the venom peptides. There you go, Steve. Well done. So, yeah, fascinating journey. We've we've uh, come full circle to understand that uh, Dr. Brian Artis was not going off half-cocked. He was very much uh, invested in researching and presenting what he researched and willing to be ridiculed for it as well. And uh, the closer we get to you know, the, the, the truth of the matter, the more he's being vindicated. Um, but as I said, from a homeopathic perspective, many of the remedies indicated uh, post-COVID uh, or COVID shots were the snake venoms. Whether it was snake venom or not, again, it didn't matter to me as a homeopath, but it looks like it's becoming more apparent that uh, those peptides are being manufactured and have been for decades in big pharma for drugs and that they're utilizing them as well with the uh, um, whatever the, the COVID weaponization, if you will, or upregulation of, of uh, virility, what we call it, credibility, <laughs> severity. The what? Yeah, I'm losing words today. I still huh? need some more sleep. What? Anyway, huh? What? I don't what? know. Hope you all had a good time today. What do we got? What's that cute picture you just sent me? I just got this from my uh, my oh, daughter. My she, daughter just sent this. this eating is, some uh, broccoli. That's this, cute. This is Autumn. Autumn eating some broccoli. There you go. She's a good eater. Not chopping broccoli, eating broccoli. Chopping broccoli. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So, what do you think? Uh, uh, have you have? Did you hear any of the Brian Artis interview from the other day? Um, yeah, good part of it. Because the argument is getting stronger, not weaker, uh, with each layer that we, we uncover. And, uh, I'm not convinced yet, but you mean on the snake to venom thing? Yeah. The venom. There's just, there, there's a number of things that just don't make sense to me, but yeah, but, um, I'm just one guy. I'm not sure what they are, but you can relate that to me later. Or not. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> be as it may be that as it may right, I'm, not, folks, I'm not prepared I'm fo- not. so folks thanks for being here I hope you enjoyed the uh, Jonathan E. Mort hour tomorrow what are we doing do we know do we have uh, schedules for tomorrow of course we have schedules for tomorrow tomorrow is Thursday so we won't have E. Mort in hour one yeah, well, so we'll don't. have an open hour as far as yeah. uh, that goes at this point and in hour two uh, mm-hmm. poor Dr. James Johnston Mm-hmm. He has been rescheduled like three times. Oh, my gosh. So we're finally, unless something comes up between now and tomorrow, which I hope doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, we will have Dr. James Johnston on okay. uh, tomorrow. He's a DO. He's yep. a family physician that's treated over 3,000 patients with acute or long-haul COVID in the last okay. several years. Uh, recently won his cases before the medical board. Mm-hmm. Uh, author of uh, revolutionary novels.com a filmmaker and he's working on his second film oberlin right now okay um so it looks like we got a number of things we can talk about with him excellent any more comments on rumble before we wrap up uh there was one earlier from uh a plumb line mm-hmm. wants to know when the or wants to know when the next red pill expo is going to be I don't, don't think we know don't at this you point. Want to know? I want to know, too. I was on yeah. stage, and I didn't know when the next one is. So uh, I will let you know as soon as possible, and you guys can show up. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed it, those that you went that went to it, those that watched it online. Welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you're new, glad you're here. We'll continue on with that. Also, in addition to the Cancer Control Society coming up um, Labor Day weekend, Glendale, L.A., California, that's the next event. We have the Biomed Expo a couple of weeks after that or less. 
uh, and that's in Las Vegas. And I would encourage you to get tickets for that. I'd love to see you. Love to see you there. And there's more. There's way more. There's so much more. But wait, there's more. So for now, we're going to pause until we're back, God willing, less than 22 hours from now on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing the show. See you soon.